Hey guys, before we start the show, we wanted to do an in-memoriam to a voice actress, TV actress that passed away in the past month, and that is Phyllis Sampler. She passed away earlier this month due to a heart attack at the age of 67, and she is a voice that many of us as anime fans heard a lot in shows of our childhood. She is best known for voicing Mimi in basically every Digimon show from the original Adventure series all the way up to the recent Tri series and was even other characters in the franchise. But she was also so many other characters. I mean, I think Colton and I, both of us, really loves her performance as Beauty in Bobobo. Like that, to me, is like just as such a memorable performance, especially with all the screaming she had to do in that show. And it was just, you know, that is the voice of that character for me. Like, her performance there. And she also is just such a memorable voice in so many other shows. She was Misao in the Kenshin dub. She was in Exorcist as many characters. She was, like, in Tony Zuko. She plays, like, a lot of different female characters. They had a very limited voice pool in that show. So she was, like... You know, she was a very distinctive voice in a lot of different shows. She was apparently adult Toph in um, in Legend of Korra, which I actually didn't know. Yeah, no, she was. Like, and that was a great performance, too. Like, she really was able to do adult Toph really well. So, yeah, it's such a shame to hear that she passed away at such a young age, relatively, like 67. You know, there's still plenty more that she should have lived for many more years. But we really thank her for, like, kind of the roles she portrayed, like, the memorable character she brought to life. And we hope she is resting in peace. And we wish all the best and, like, all the, the love in the world to her loved ones. This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 168. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lauren Yasha, and it's time again. It's that time of the month where we must go over all the news that came out in the previous month. And boy, howdy, there was a lot of it, especially in terms of licensing announcements, which 
we got another tidal wave of 7C stuff that drowned us, but every other publisher also contributed something to the pile, and they aren't stopping anytime soon, because nope. even as we're recording this, there are new license announcements being announced by Yen. Oh, so no. <laughs> it just keeps building up, and we'll never catch up, but that's okay. We're going to do our best to give you as comprehensive a roundup as we can of all the latest news in the past month because there's a lot to talk about but sadly because there's a lot to talk about we won't be going over some of the new simul pubs and one shots that have come out recently on this episode but in the next episode you'll hear our discussion on those including of course Tatsuki Fujimoto's look back which I think is something we are definitely going to devote and need uh, and deserves a lot of time to talk about. So, oh yeah. my god, yeah, that that could have just been its own episode, honestly, with how long it turned out to be. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot we can dig into with the uh, with there, a- along with all the other cyberpunks we have to talk about, and all the other one shots. Just yeah, this I think this easily would have been like a four hour podcast if we stacked that on top of this. But there's only so much time in the day to record. There's only so much uh, time in the day in the week for me, particularly to edit. So, yeah, uh, I think, like Lum said, all those deserve its own episode. It deserves, like, you know, its own time and everything. So we'll get to those next episode. And, you know, like you said, we have a lot of news to talk about. Um, Before we even get on to news, um, so I kind of mentioned this a couple times in our wrap-up in the past, like, couple episodes. Uh, But by the time this comes out, uh, hopefully on the Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, you know, I will have put up our newest bonus podcast, which uh, is actually going to be a recording that we that uh, Lum, V-Lord, Sakaki and I all did together in the same room because, you know, uh, they were also nice enough to come and visit me in my hometown of St. Louis. And we got to hang out over the weekend. It was very fun. Um, you know, we, we got to kind of like sit together and just kind of talk about what we've been up to over at least like the first half of the weekend you know, uh, it just, just got to hang out. It was very fun. And I hope that we could do it again at some point. Um, but the biggest thing we talked about in that recording, uh, was our thoughts on Dragon Ball Evolution, uh, which we made Sakaki sit down and watch for the first time. And I think it really tested his friendship with us. <laughs> it was, <laughs> uh, but no, it well, was, we mended yeah. it because then we watched Broly and all was forgiven. I, I hope. I, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> We assume so, um, which, yeah, so that was, that was fun, um, fun for me, I don't know about fun for Sakaki, it was, it was, it was pretty fun, uh, and yeah, so that's actually gonna be up for all patrons on our Patreon, uh, we're making that available for all patrons, even if you, uh, pledge to us for as low as a dollar, you'll still have access to it and be able to listen to it, and yeah, again, by the time this episode of the podcast is out, that should be up, uh, again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, we're at the $5 tier. You will get access to a new bonus podcast at the end of every month. Um, and we have so many other like different bonus podcasts up on there that we've been uploading over the past like two years at this point, including stuff like, uh, you know, our manga mavericks book club read throughs. 
I think our first one was a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood that I did with Grant that you probably listened to on our last episode about Fist of the North Star. If you want to hear more from Grant, you know, we're trying to go through JoJo's. Uh, we already went through part one. We're hopefully going to go through part two at some point here in the near future. Uh, probably sometime after we finish up our read-through of Saint Seiya. Uh, I know that's kind of taken a bit to, like, finish up and come out. It's still going to be, like, another couple months before we, like, get back to that. Because uh, Doc and I kind of need to find time to basically record the last two episodes. We need to have that. We're almost done with Saint Seiya. And I'm really excited to see how it ends. But basically, if you want to hear us talk about that uh, that series and more... Again, all this can be found at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. And yeah, uh, I think that's enough plugging for the Patreon. Um, so let's let's just get right into news here. So I think we're going to start off with our usual uh, list news. And we're going to start off with the New York Times graphic books and manga list for July 2021. Uh, starting from the bottom here, all the way at number 15, we have Spy Family Volume 5. Uh, not the first time that Spy Family has been on this list. I think it's the second time it's been on this list, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, Spy Family, more more popular over here than you think. You know, it's doing very well, and I'm very happy to see it do well. I'm really looking forward to when it gets its eventual anime adaptation, and it just does even better, you know? Um, that's going to be really interesting. And then uh, kind of moving up on the list here, all the way at number seven, we have Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, volume 22. Uh, the second-to-last volume of Demon Slayer. Uh, again, Demon Slayer is another series that does very well over here. As well as Jujutsu Kaisen, volume 10 at number 6. Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm just I'm just really happy to see it do very well. I really need to eventually, like, read through and catch up on it. I've been watching the anime lately, and it's, uh, it's very good. I need to watch more of it. Um, and then at number 5, we have Chainsaw Man, volume 5. Very fitting. Uh, Chainsaw Man, again, just so, so, like, surprised at, like, how well it does without an anime adaptation. Yeah, another series that is already doing well without anime, but you can expect to blow up when it that anime does finally drop. Mm-hmm. It might even overtake uh, a certain comic that we're also going to talk about here that is placed number two on this list with My Hero Academia Volume 28, the newest volume of My Hero Academia, uh, again, no surprise there. My Hero Academia also is another series that does very well, uh, arguably even better than some of the other series we talked about. But again, they're they're on their way. I I think they could overtake it if they haven't already. You know, they're they're getting there. But um, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's anything else we want to talk about about this list unless you had any thoughts. It's a very good showing. There are five manga on this top fifteen. That is quite rare. I think this might be the first time we've seen that many manga on these New York Times bestseller lists, at least in a while. I mean, I, I think certainly it's a rarity to see this much. This is a third of this top 15. It really is showing manga's continued dominance and the incredible popularity of these specific titles for them to have such a great showing on this month's list. And I'm going to be curious to see if this trend continues. We know that manga is in a big boom period in terms of sales and popularity. I am interested to see where the hype's where it leads. To see, now we're finally seeing it reflected on the New York Times list. And we have been seeing reflected on the Busken list for a long time now. As we enter the third straight month in a row, which the entire top 20 has been dominated by manga for the adult graphic novels book sellers. 
I was going to say, speaking of dominance, yeah, this, like you said, this is the third month in a row where it's just completely dominated. Um, but why don't we just get into the book scan list here? So we're going to start from the top, going all the way to the bottom. At number one, we have My Hero Academia, volume 28. Again, like we said, newest volume of My Hero Academia. Uh, not surprised. It always does very well. Along with volume 27 at number 12. And uh, surprise, surprise, actually, only two volumes of My Hero Academia on this list, which is not something we've seen in a while. Like, it's what I find really interesting about this list in the past few lists in general, like, is that because it's, you know, for a long time, it, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast and especially like following these book scan lists, My Hero Academia was like, it seemed like nothing else could really like conquer its sales or even like get close to it, because especially with like, you know, uh, as many as like five volumes or more always being on this list, sometimes even being half the book scan list. Um, but yeah, we're in a time right now where like more than one title can actually like compete with it, which is really interesting and really cool to see, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, not the most dominant series on this list. Far from it, in fact. But I think, again, that shows kind of the healthy spot the market is in, that there are, like, a lot of titles that are competitive with each other in terms of being these bestsellers. And we're seeing a lot of uptick in series that are, you know, getting sales, that have even further growth potential. I do think it's interesting that MHA only has two spots on this list, even though the anime is currently on air, whereas series here that have the most representation don't have their anime currently on air. But, you know, that's another interesting thing. Again, that speaks to the potential of the growth of those theories that we'll get into, as well as the potential of series here that don't have an anime, like we mentioned in the New York Times list, and as we'll probably get into next. Yeah, speaking of such, at number two on the list, we have Chainsaw Man Volume 5, along with Volume 3, ranking at number 13. Uh, again, only two volumes of Chainsaw Man on the list, um, but I think, uh, and we'll probably get to this a little later in the podcast and kind of go over to it more in depth, but I think part of the reason that more volumes aren't on this list is probably because of the fact that uh, it's hard to reprint back volumes of manga right now, which I think is the only thing keeping some of these titles from, like, totally dominating, you know? It's a very plausible possibility. Uh, but next up on the list, we have Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 10, ranking at number 3, along with Volume 3, ranking at number 8, Volume 1, ranking at number 10, with Volume 8, ranking at number 11, uh, along with Volume 4, ranking at number 17, and Volume 2, ranking at number 20. So this, along with the next title we're going to be talking about, seem to be the like most dominant titles on this list. Jujutsu Kaisen is the most dominant title on this list. It has six volumes, more than any other series. It is the hot commodity right now, the hot property. It is very extraordinary to see just how much Jujutsu Kaisen has blown up and how it's continued to sustain its popularity even months out from the anime's conclusion. So, I mean, I think this bodes well for Jujutsu Kaisen's sustainability and popularity and sales in the future. And considering, like, I think we'll see even further spurts of growth as the anime inevitably returns to cover like some pretty uh hype material that people will get talk will start talking about get excited about you know i think the future is bright for jujutsu kaisen in north america here it's really cool to see hit you so so well mm -hmm. i mean yeah you're, you're correct there 
I mean, honestly, the only other thing that is like coming close to Jujutsu Kaisen on this list is Demon Slayer, with uh, Volume Twenty Two ranking at number four, along with uh, Volume Nine ranking at number fifteen, with Volume Ten ranking at number eighteen, and Volume Thirteen ranking at number nineteen. Again, like I said, you are more correct there, and like Jujutsu Kaisen does have more volumes on this list, but again, Demon Slayer not too far behind it, I would say. Four volumes. That's also. Pretty good percentage. I mean, together, Demon Slayer and Judas Kaisen are half the list. So I think that goes to show you, yeah, these are the top two right now, this summer, it seems. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, but just to kind of talk about just one of the many volume ones on this list, at number five, we have Death Note, the Black Edition, volume one. Uh, again, at number five, that's the uh, omnibus release of Death Note. Um, you know, Death Note is just so interesting to me. And I mean, like... I guess maybe it's not a surprise because it's it's still like a pretty hot property even after all these years. Like people still really love Death Note. But uh I don't know. It's just interesting to see like how many people are like getting into Death Note even this far into uh into its uh I guess its uh existence. I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say there. It's an evergreen title. People are always getting into it. And I think we also notice a trend of among the series on this list of titles that have a darker edge like some macabre element to it and Death Note even though it's not a graphic violent series like some of the other ones here like it does fit into that mold of a series with kind of that darker sensibility of dealing with some of the supernatural dealing with as in the title death so yeah I think that's kind of what a lot of people are into those kind of stories right now and Death Note definitely fits that mold mm-hmm. I don't for, for me it's still surprising like just how much it's able to compete with even like the newest hottest titles that's that's still kind of surprising to me honestly because like again death note is an older series so you kind of i feel like most people would expect it to be like maybe closer to like the middle of the list but yeah again like number five on this entire list that's again that's very impressive for a series that's this old compared to like everything else on this list but uh, yeah, again, coming back with the volume ones. Uh, at number six, we have Attack on Titan volume one. Again, th- that always kind of has a place on this list. It continues to sell. At number nine, we have the return of Uzumaki from Juji Ito. It's been a while since this has been on the list, but uh, it seems like people are uh, picking it back up again. And yeah, again, I'm I'm still really interested in like how well it's going to do when that Uzumaki anime eventually makes its premiere on Adult Swim and Toonami. Yeah. I mean, Uzumaki is another one of those evergreen titles that people are always getting into. So I think that the anime could only help, like, expand the audience. But clearly, even without it, it already doing very, very well. No, yeah, for sure. Again, it was interesting because, like, it seemed like for a few months there, it was just, like, continually on the list. And then it kind of dropped off for a bit. And now it's come back, which uh, it's just it's interesting to me. Yeah, it comes and goes in waves. For sure. Speaking of, we have The Promised Neverland Volume 1, ranking at number 14. Again, The Promised Neverland is another series that uh, I feel like people are constantly getting into and trying out, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Along with Toilet Bound Hanako-kun Volume 1 at number 16. Again, another series that people are constantly getting into. Uh, I'm very happy for Yen Press in particular that they finally have a title amongst their catalog that could compete with all these other titles, you know? Um, but that's really about it for the list. Again, pretty clear, like you said, that um, Jujutsu Kaisen and Demon Slayer are kind of the two biggest things right now in terms of like what sells in bulk in particular. Uh, a lot of people are interested in both uh, franchises. But uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to add unless you do. No, I mean, again, manga is in a really dominating spot. It's in a really great place. We're leading. We're seeing a lot of titles like do really, really well. Not just a couple. Like there's like nine different titles on the list now. It is like mostly this stuff. It is mostly Shonen Jump stuff. But uh, even so, you know, we do see that Kadansha has a really great title that obviously has been doing well for them for years and then I can tie it in. And Yen has found like really super mainstream success with Toilet Bound and Akokan, which is super cool to see. And yeah, I think that we're in a really good spot in terms of manga sales. And as we'll get into later in the podcast, we're in such a good spot that supply can't keep up with demand. But, <laughs> you know, I think that is a better problem to have than if there was too much supply and not any demand, like as was the case in the crash of the late 2000s. So, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, think of it this way. The emptier the shelves are at bookstores, that probably means the better they're selling, you know? I mean, it sucks when you want to get, like, the newest volume of Chainsaw Man, and it's not there, but, you know, it, it means it's selling well, and that's good. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess... Um, this is normally the part of the show we were, where we would like move on to like serialization news, but we actually we actually have a lot of like uh, new manga apps and services to talk about. And I guess um, starting off with so on our last news episode that I did with Sakaki, uh, we talked a little bit about Azuki. Uh, if you listen to that episode, you will know that um, we unfortunately recorded that like before it launched, and now at the time of this recording, it it's been a few days since launch. And, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I don't know, Lum, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the service that you want to talk about real quick before we move on to everything else. Oski is a pretty good app in terms of UI design. Like, I know Evan Minto and the crew, they worked very hard in it. I definitely think it shows. I think that there are some things that don't work. Like, there can be some technical frustrations, but they've kind of been smoothed out as it goes along. I think, obviously, the, the plus that everyone was talking about is the fact that double-page spreads show up on this app as compared to a lot of other different apps where they can be broken apart in a frustrating way. So that's okay, a that's good, good thing. Yeah. How, yeah, I think the big thing, though, is when we're talking about selection here, what separates OSCE from other services? Because the Kadansha catalog is everywhere. Like, Kadansha has been very liberal hosting their stuff on different platforms. And so, you know, like a lot of the stuff that's on OSCE, you can find elsewhere. Some titles OSCE has have more chapters than you'd find elsewhere, uh, but others do not compared to like maybe Mangamo or other places. And also... I mean, they don't have a ton of, like, exclusive things that you can only read on there compared to Mangamo, which has tons of exclusives. I will say, like, the inclusion of the Kaiten Books catalog is really nice, you know, to have, like, their books available as part of the subscription. But, yeah, I mean, I think Oski is, like, a really nice app if you want to read Kadansha titles. I think probably the strongest selling point for it is for, like, Kadansha's currently running Simulpup series. The bulk of them, or a lot of them have, like, their full runs. Not all of them. Space Brothers has, like, a huge 100-plus chapter gap in the middle. But, you know, there are a lot of them that do have full runs compared to, say, Crunchyroll manga. So if you wanted to read, like, To Your Eternity, in particular, To Your Eternity, all of that is on there. Eden Zero, all of that is on there. So you're in a good spot if you want to read those series and catch up on those series. So, 
that's a good plus Dosky, and I'm just interested to see like what else they'll add in the future, what more things they'll do to make the, the app stand out. I will say like the app is a better reading experience than the browser. Browser can have some frustrations, but overall pretty solid. But it still still needs that little bit extra just to to make it a really sweet deal if, if compared to like other places you can really get Anchorman's catalog on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I think you said it best. But uh, th- that's kind of my only problem with Azuki is that again, I uh, I haven't used the app too much personally, and that's mostly because again, like you said, like. You know, they're not the only place I can read literally most of Kodansha's catalog, so that's kind of one thing. I I hope in the future that maybe they'll end up getting some exclusive stuff that you can't read anywhere else. That would be the thing that would kind of, like, interest me. Or, like, also, like you said, you know, there are certain series that they don't have, like, the full run of or they have gaps or whatever. And I'm I'm sure they're, they're working on those and they'll fill those eventually, so, like, I, I have faith in them in terms of that. But, yeah, c- clearly this is a new service that's, like, still growing and, you know, I think it has the potential to be able to, like, really compete with all these other services. And I think it'll just get better and better. Like, I, I have faith that, like, it will just get better from here. So eventually, I, um, like, you know, when I want to catch up to stuff like To Your Eternity, you know, and I was telling you this off mic, like, I just I just like that I have another option for these Kodansha Simul pubs. You know, something other than Crunchyroll manga that, like, I gotta be honest, I just, I can't stand using <laughs> Uh, because of how wonky it is and everything. So, you know, I'm looking forward to reading more Cyber pubs on that service in the future, because it, it sounds like it works a lot better, comparatively. So, yeah, if you want to go check it out, go check that out. Um, I believe it's $4.99 a month for the service. I should probably check that real quick. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But uh, so, yeah, if you want to you wanna check it out, uh, I, I think it's safe to say we both recommend people checking it out. Uh, especially if you have a Kodansha title that you've been really wanting to check out. And uh, now you can check out at least the bulk of for some of them. But yeah, we actually have two other services that we need to talk about real quick before we move on, if you want to take that away. Yes, there actually were two other... Well, Comic Key's been around for a while, but there have been like uh, some new apps that have added some new app sites that have added some new manga like exclusive to their service it have been interesting so alphapolis launched a new app called alpha manga for smartphones and they have a they have a big catalog of like the alphaopolis like titles so it's like 20 different titles they have exclusive on there pretty much all of them are isekai titles like if you like read through them like all pretty much all of them are like they're either like explicitly reincarnated in other world type stories or they're set in a fantasy world so that's kind of interesting they have like a specific kind of niche they're targeting yep however yeah like basically this how the service runs is that you know they offer three chapters for free uh, four chapter and on from there will not be available for free forever, but you can acquire in-app tickets and use them to rent new chapters for a week, and you can collect free tickets by logging into the app. I have not used the ticketing system. Comic Key is a similar thing with, like, you can buy keys to read the backlog chapters, and at least if you buy those, uh, if you use those keys if you buy those you can keep these here it's more like a rent system but yeah i think that there are some interesting titles on here 
Like, I like this one where it's basically this woman... It's called May I Ask for One Final Thing. It's basically about this woman who has, like, her engagement call out suddenly by fiancé. And so... And she's called, like, a villainess. And so it's kind of... It's not like a reincarnated villainous tale, but it's kind of like a an interesting story about, like, this woman's, like, kind of revenge of, like, this basically sexist patriarchy that's constantly pushed her down. So that's a lot of fun. I enjoy that title a lot. There's some other cool titles on here that, you know, are definitely worth checking out. I'm sure, you know, in our next episode, I'll probably bring up some more titles that I found interesting just briefly to spotlight. But they've got a lot there. But again, it is very much all Isekai, essentially. So, you know, you if you really are hungering for Isekai manga or more fantasy manga, like, this app is going to have you covered. And they got a lot of stuff. They got a lot of stuff. Now, Comic-Key, as we'll move on to, is kind of a combination manga and manhwa service. And they didn't just launch. They launched just a, a year ago. And they had, like, Webtoons and manhwa at launch then. Now they've added a bunch of manga from the Euro Sunday and Manga 1 catalog in Japan. And their system is, like, the first five chapters so far are free and the recent chapters are free and then you can purchase like digital keys to unlock catalog chapters and then when you purchase those you can keep reading them like forever basically but yeah also new chapters are like free for like a day then they get locked no they're free for like 12 hours and they get locked again for 12 hours and then you can read them again for a few more days and then they get locked again so it's it's an interesting weird system it's like you gotta read these in the first couple hours then they'll get locked but then they'll get unlocked again but then they'll get locked again and that's when you really need to buy them so it's kind of interesting system to like encourage like really quick reading as soon as new chapters drop i think is the goal so kind of an interesting approach but they have a, a couple of different titles on here from you know the sunday catalog including battle in five seconds after meeting which has an anime right now happy harem making with the mightiest orc reptile secrets I mean, even though, like, I'm remarried to the mother of a hero, she became my daughter, which is, it's an incorrect title, which frustrates me, because it's not, he, the, the hero did not become his daughter-in-law, he, she became his stepdaughter, because he married her mother, so I don't, they, they got the title wrong, the relationship between the demon lord and his stepdaughter wrong, so I, the daughter-in-law would be if he married his son, I don't know. I don't know how they made that mistake. Anyway, Killer in Love, uh, Strongest Savior, Second Chance, Don't Exodus with Teachers, and Killer Vamp. So, kind of a very diverse selection of titles. Like, very, very different stuff. My favorites are definitely Reptile Secrets, which I think Mueller described best as Degashi Taji about the reptiles, just about, like, working at this pet shop with reptiles, about this girl who's, like, super enthusiastic with reptiles from a, a well-known hentai artist, too, so you got a lot of that kind of etchy edge to it but it's it's mostly non-pervy it's actually pretty fun i'm a demon lord and daughter became the hero became my step the title is our law but it's like should be stepdaughter anyway that one's really fun that's funny too it's a funny premise about like the demon lord gets married to the hero's mother and then he has he's basically the relationship between him and the heroes like now he's kind of her father and they have kind of like a Kind of a fun little back and forth 
there. Like, if they have to get used to being each other's family now. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, kind of the vibe of Torture Princess, where, like, you know, the demon lord and his group are, like, just pretty genial characters. And they act kind of friendly to the heroic characters. So I like that a lot. That's a lot of fun. And, yeah, so those are, like, my two favorites. And then I know that V-Lord really loves Killer Mavin. Basically, keep uh, your ear out for the next Saturday Night Shoggy, because I know that the V-Lord, Sakagi, Mirren, they're going to cover all of these. They're going to share their thoughts on these. At least V-Lord is probably going to spend some time, because he, they caught up on all of it. And also, V-Lord made a thread about... The, their first impressions of like all the comic-y Sunday titles. So you can, we'll link that in the this show notes so you can check out more talks on all of them from V-Lord. But it's, it's a cool election of stuff. It's cool to see, again, some more Sunday stuff or Sunday manga one stuff. And hopefully we'll see more. Like their goal is to eventually like, you know, catch up with the backlog of all these titles and then kind of continue simulpubbing them from there. So that'll be cool to have some new simulpubs of Sunday titles. That would be cool, yeah. I mean, in general, with, um, you know, that's just an idea of mine that I kind of have listening to our ever-growing dock of ideas. But I mean, eventually, like, with some of these newer app services, I would maybe like to dedicate some time to me uh, do what we did for uh, Mangamo and Futakia and maybe talk about uh, some of these titles maybe in the future when we can like find time for them, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm I'm kind of up for exploring new like uh, manga services to kind of keep that up. Like I, I like doing that. It's always fun. Absolutely. And especially since they do plan to continue adding new manga to their catalog. So it'll be interesting to see how they grow their uh, services. Mm-hmm, for sure. But yeah, uh, definitely go check all these out if you're interested. Um, Lum, I think there was one more thing you wanted to talk about before we get into serialization news. Well, it is also worth mentioning that if you're interested in checking out some Yen Press titles digitally, they've been added to Library Past. So, like, they will add 100 titles to the surface of uh, Library Past, and those are going to be available to libraries and schools, you know, that, you know, have partnered with them. And basically, the... Surface Comics Plus allows readers unlimited online and offline access to digital comics, graphic novels, manga at their libraries and schools. So yeah, hundred press titles will be available on there. Looks like a lot of like the license, the you know the Western media license type titles. So like the Star Wars manga, the King of Hearts manga, Big Hero Six manga, like those will be on there. But if they're going to be like a hundred titles like it might be just 100 books but i think they'll probably have uh, some more selections on there probably so yeah i mean this is a cool thing for libraries and schools you know to have like some access to some digital manga for kids to read i think that's really nice mm-hmm. that's pretty cool the, the more titles available the better so that's good. But yeah, I guess uh with all that said, uh, we can move on to some serialization news and uh this first one is really interesting, not something that we see very often, if at all. So apparently, the the author of uh, Kakigurui, uh, Homura Kawamoto, came out with a new isekai manga that was canceled after one chapter. <laughs> Specifically because, like, part of the plot of the manga basically has to do with this character who, like, wants to join up with a guild of characters that uh, seem very familiar, and that is because they're basically... All, they're all supposed to, like, represent, like, different characters from, like, other isekai shows. Like, 
know, stuff like Sword Art Online, Overlord, Konosuba. I mean, it's very blatant in the character designs. Yeah, I mean, I think the Kirito stand-in is, like, the most obvious one, along with, like, the Ainz one. I mean, even the Katarina and the Ainz Overlord, like, all of them are pretty blatant to what they're referencing, I think. Mm Mm-hmm, but... From from what I'm gathering, it looks like it was canceled because Katakawa, the publisher, was afraid of, like, how they were depicting these characters, because I guess they were, like, depicted as more, like, villainous and... I mean, they they commit acts of rape and murder, these characters. So it's kind of See, a I step did not too know that. far. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, it, there was someone who made a comment about, like... You know, it's one thing to parody these characters, but to turn them into, like, villains who do such hateful acts is, like, going way too far in terms of the realm of, like, good taste and parody. And so that got a lot of people upset, like, not just fans, but creators upset. And so that is kind of what created, like, this big pushback and negative reaction that got the series canceled after one chapter and basically, you know, let Katakawa to issue an apology to the creators and say, okay, uh, we won't publish works that didn't great, like, both a series that we own, like, characters that we have, but also competitors' characters like this anymore. Okay, see, I'm glad you gave me that context because I genuinely thought this was just a case of, like, oh, a company's being, like, too precious with their IP and we can't, like, uh, we can't do anything to detract from, like, what they're normally depicted as or whatever. Like, we, we can't take any chances. Like, I, I thought it was, like, one of those things. Yeah, no, it was very mean-spirited parody. So it's not surprising why people were upset. Okay, but uh, yeah, I remember seeing this and thinking like, oh, wow, like this is again, like I said, this is not something that usually ever happens. Like, it's very rare that we get like a series that's just like thrown in the garbage after, you know, one chapter like this very rarely happens as far as I know. Um, But uh, what's even more interesting is that Kawamoto is coming out with another new isekai manga, uh, specifically in Akita Shoten's uh, Champion Red. They're going to be collaborating with uh, Zuzu Kamiya. Uh, and they will be launching, uh, I'm not going to say the entire Japanese title, but the translated title is uh, Humanity's Existence Depends on Love Gambling with Another World's Princess. Uh, that'll be coming out on August 19th. And uh, the story specifically follows uh, Ryumiz, I think that's how you pronounce that name, uh, the daughter of the Demon King from Another World. Kazuki of the Human World is, is entrusted with her. And should he accept his duty, he shall die. But if he refuses, the world will be destroyed. So... Um, just judging from um, the key art in particular, this already looks way more approachable and way more lighthearted than um, than the other series that they were trying to do. It is funny that they've gone from making this dark isekai parody manga to an outright just isekai comedy in just less, a little over a month's time. Like they found <laughs> a new project to work on very quickly and then actually is a guy brought it to work on really quickly. So that's kind of amusing to me. But this is, a, of course, with a different publisher, Akita Shoten. So it's interesting. I feel like uh, we'll see. We'll see what the comedy of this will be. Maybe it was all like calculate controversy and the series <laughs> is actually going to be building off of the other series. Somehow it's actually going to be a continuation of what, <laughs> just a sneaky way to continue the ideas he wanted for the previous series. So we'll see. We'll see what Kawamoto is coming up with. You know, I didn't even think about that possibility, but like, and and I know you were probably joking, but like, 
I could see that possibly being the case. That that's not like out of the realm of possibility that this could have been all calculated and this uh, this 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 could have been all a way for them to be like, oh hey, so uh, I have this new isekai manga, uh, and you know the drumming up controversy to like bring in eyes on this new series. Like I could see that being the case. You never know. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to put on my conspiracy helmet too tight, you know. But still. But yeah, that was that was a whole thing. And I guess, uh, Lum, do you want to talk about the next series that's ending? There are a couple of series ending. First is a series that I'm sure Sakaki is very sad that it's ending because it's from Fukuchi. Punkotsu-chan is ending on July 21st. Sunday Susan, another Sunday Susan a lot of series. Actually, as we'll get into. But yeah, that's ended at the time of this recording. And yeah, so... I'm sure Fuji will come back with another work, but I know Sakaki, big fan of the series. I think that one of Sakaki's big complaints with, I think, Witch Watch is that it's just like Punkotsu, but not as good. <laughs> so, you know, that makes me interested to read Punkotsu. And, you know, it's not that long series, so I'd love to see it get licensed by someone sometime. But regardless of where that happens, it is a, it's a shame that, you know, an, another pretty enjoyable Sunday series is ended. But I'm sure that Fuguchi, you know, very prolific author, I think they'll come back with more work soon. However, it's not the only Stone and Sunday series ending soon because uh, Mano Megumi Sugida Arake, uh, that's also ending. It's going to end in issue 40 of Weekly Shonen Sunday, so about mid-August. So, yeah, Sunday has been losing a lot of series recently, and it's interesting because I don't know if they've announced, like, a lot of new titles coming in the works. So, uh, we are going to have to see. Like, this is a, a big king of the tiger shown in Sunday, and I wonder what's in store for the future. For sure. Um, we talked about it on our last news episode, but it is worth mentioning that at the time of this recording, Sobote has also ended. Uh, again, we talked about that on our last news episode, but I just wanted to put that there. Um I think from what I've seen uh, Sakaki post on the uh, WSS Talkback Twitter account, it seems like Sunday's just going to be running like a bunch of one shots for a while. I think there's supposed to be another new series coming up taking place in like prehistoric times. That's supposed to be like a like a rom com kind of thing. I th- I actually thought that seemed pretty interesting and kind of cute. But uh, yeah, I I think they're just going to kind of. It seems like they're just going to kind of fill in the blanks with like. Whatever, I guess, until I'm assuming at some point we'll Sunday will just come out with like a like a huge swath of new series that they're going to publish eventually. Yeah, I mean, they should considering like I feel like this is like fourth for fifth series like uh, they've ended in just the past couple months. So they should probably get a new swatch of stuff in. But Sunday isn't the only place where series are ending of course and this is a title that's so recent and has so much buzz behind it that we thought it could be a bigger deal than it ended up being and that's ashidaka that's ending in the next issue of multishon magazine on august 6th so not too far out from when you're listening to this and yeah i mean i fell off of ashidaka i'll definitely catch up on it uh, now that it's over but you know this was a it was simulpubs, simultaneously in multiple languages when it came out. I think they really expected big things from it. Uh, the yeah. art is really good, but I guess it just did not click with readers in Japan or abroad. So coming to kind of an end here very shortly, kind of surprising considering I think there was a lot of anticipation for it, uh, but it just did not pan out 
that way. Another series from Kanansha that's ending soon is Apollons, the current Satomania series. That's also going to be in the end of August, on August 25th. This has been Simulpub by Kanansha. It's a pretty good series, I need to catch up back up on it. But, yeah, I'm curious to see how the series is going to wrap up, you know, it's this pretty similar to Sidonia in terms of art style and stuff like that. But, yeah, art style and story and stuff like that. But, yeah, we'll see how it ends. We'll see what Satomi Mihai is going to come out with next. But, yeah, that's kind of one last Kedansha Sinal Pub, unfortunately, too, with this ending. But hopefully they'll replace it with uh, something new as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only place where series are ending, of course, because Shueisha's got their fair share of titles ending soon. I mean, Tijolian, after 10 years, is coming to an end in August. Like, Tijolian started in May 2011, ended in August 2011. And this is, I think, surprising the most people following Tijolian. I mean, yes, I mean, to go into spoilers, they beat the guy that we kind of built up to as the big bad I guess of the arc or but it didn't really feel like he was like the big big bad in the sense like you feel like there could still be more after that they still feel like there's a lot more mysteries behind like the villain group of the rock humans uh the entire concept and then the curse of the hidden god that is like all this stuff that you think they would go into more, but it, it kind of is just ending where it's ending right now. It kind of feels similar in that regard to how Golden Wind ends. In no small part, because much like Golden Wind, it also is kind of ending with kind of this like epilogue, which is kind of like a flashback to the past that is kind of exploring like things that set up events in the story we had just read, as well as kind of reconfirming, re-exploring certain themes that were brought up. And kind of transition into the next, I'm sure the next part and next idea. I'm, I'm pretty sure with all the stuff that went down in Jijolian, all the ideas that were brought up, all the kind of the seeds for future kind of things to explore, there's going to be a part nine at some point. So I'm curious to see that, but it is kind of interesting to see that Jijolian is wrapping up in the way that it is. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people have mixed feelings about that. I'm pretty fine with it. I just, you know, it's it's just interesting to me. Jolene is by far the longest JoJo's part, and it simultaneously feels like it is. It went on for too long, and it has it isn't going on long enough. So it's kind of <laughs> kind of it's a, kind of a weird, fun place to be at. But obviously, I, I really do think there's going to be part nine. I feel like the story has been primed to go there. So we'll see. I think I think Araki will take a short break, but then come out with part nine, uh, and not too long, I think. No, yeah, I would I would love to see uh, what he does with uh, with part nine in particular. Uh, I'm gonna make a bold prediction in that I think they're gonna try to I I don't know I think it'd be kind of cool, but like I wonder if and when like I I just I should say when part nine starts up, I wonder if they're gonna try to like simul puppet. I hope so. I think that'd be really nice. I would love to read New JoJo simulpub legally. That'd be so cool. That'd be so nice. Uh, it'd be really confusing, I think, for some people. Especially if Part 9 follows up directly on stuff that happened in 7 and 8 in terms of concept. Because it's so radically different from stuff that people are experiencing in just the first five parts. And going into Part 6. Obviously not just the fact it's another 
world, not her timeline, but also kind of their core elements of that world that is so different from the main Joe But I think, you know, I still would love to see it. I would love for Viz to do that if, like, that ha- when Iraqi does a part nine. If he does part nine, and yeah, that'd be cool. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I feel like, I feel like if and when Iraqi comes out with part nine, like I feel like this would be like the opportune time for a JoJo Cyber Pub. I, I think that would get a lot of people excited. I think you would bring in a lot of eyes with that in particular. I think so. But JoJo Land's not the only thing ending soon because Golden Conway looks to be starting its final arc. And has by the time you're listening to this, and we don't know how long that's going to run, but it does seem that Golden Conway looks to be entering its end game. It's been running for a good few years now, so it's no surprise. But I'm curious to see how it will wrap itself up. Oh man, yeah. But as things are coming to an end, we are seeing things returning in the sense that, well, actually. The order seems a little messed up here. Let's actually talk about some things that are also going on hiatus still. Because A Sign of Affection, uh, that's another Kandansha title, but that's another Simulpop. But that's going on hiatus for a little while because the storyboard writer of the series is, you know, going on hiatus because she's recently given birth. So, you know, she's taking some time off for childcare. So that is going to be on hold until the January 2022 issue of Kananchas Dessert. So, yeah, that's kind of a shame to see this series, like, kind of take a break for so many months, especially a Simulpub series. But I think, you know, it'll be cool. To s- I think it's good that they're taking time off for childcare. And I think that, you know, it's something to look forward to see a return in November. So that's one thing that's going on hiatus, but will return inevitably. And then something that also has gone on hiatus uh, for different reasons is Blue Exorcist. And Blue Exorcist, man, it's such a place to go on hiatus on because they're feared what seemingly could be the final battle. It's like Rin versus Satan. Like, what? I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's building hype. It's building anticipation for the conclusion of this arc we're in, conclusion of this battle we're in. But yeah, it's going on hiatus for eight months until April 2022 because uh, the author, Kato, is going to be doing an adaptation of Fuyumi Ono's Strange Shells from the handy shop Katakuya Horror Novel. It's going to be a short six-chapter, like, mini-series that's going to start in the Jump Square in September. So that's pretty cool. And Kato mentioned that she'd love to continue work on Blue Exorcist at the same time, but, you know, understandably, that'd be a little too overstressing and too, a little bit too much, especially since this is her first adaptation of a novel. So I think she made a good call putting Blue Exorcist on Andrews not to overwork herself. And even though it's frustrating because they're like, it, it seems like we're at a big battle here. It's Rainer's insane. It feels like something we didn't build it up to, you know? <laughs> this could be. I don't know if this is the final arc, but we feel it's like we're in a climactic moment in the series. But, you know, I think that just builds the anticipation and enthusiasm for the return when it does happen in a in a, in a little less than a year. Still, it, it's a, it'll be a, quite a bit. But I'm looking forward to her adaptation of um, Strange Tales from the Handy Shop Karakuya. And, you know, it's since it's a Jump Square thing, since it's a miniseries thing, I would love to see this simul puppet. I would hope... They could take a chance on it since it's kind of a short commitment thing. 
And Blue Exorcist is fairly popular. I think the Doctor is fairly popular. So I'd love to see him do that. We'll see if they do that. It's coming out in September. Blue Exorcist return in April 2022. Both things to look forward to. And as is there something to look forward to is the return of Jujutsu Kaisen. It'll basically be resuming about the time we're listening to this. Beginning of August. Took a little over a month break because Akanami was not in the greatest of health. But hopefully, you know, they're feeling recovered, rejuvenated, energized. They said before that when they return to the series, they're going to treat it like it's our new serialization, put all that energy into it. I'm looking forward to continuation of Dude's Cousin, getting back into the Cullen game, and seeing where the story is going because... It left off at a good spot, I think. It left off at a clean spot in terms of wrapping up a lot of the stuff with the Zen family. So I think now we're really going to get into the, the culling game stuff. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I missed it. And yeah, it's going to be great to have it back. Now as far as other like new things coming, let's talk about some spin-off stuff. And this is a, a kind of an interesting one because... The artist of Hellward and Higama, Natsuki Hokami, is drawing a Demon Slayer spinoff, specifically a spinoff of the Demon Slayer Gakuen concept that's going to come out in Sakyo Jump in August. And yeah, that's going to basically be kind of a chibi comedy of the characters, kind of a high school setting, super deformed style. So, you know, that seems kind of cute. I think that Natsuki Kami was a great artist, so I like their work on Hikama. I'd be interested in this, and considering what a Hakamani Demon Slayer is, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see this get localized. So, uh, something I'm curious about, and we'll look forward to if we do see an official English version of this. Now, another new interesting thing in terms of spinoffs coming out is that we're getting a new chapter of Orange. Like, the first new work from the creator Takano in quite a bit. And also, like, kind of the first new, like, orange chapter or, like, related to the story in quite a bit. After, like, kind of the bonus volumes they did, like, Orange Mirai and whatnot a few years ago. So, yeah, like, this one is going to be focused on Azusa. So, probably a a check-in on how she's doing in the present, you know. Some stuff with her, so I'm curious about that. I think it's uh, it's an interesting thing to do. I forgot that Orange is, like, almost a decade old at this point, but oh, man. still quite beloved as a series. So, yeah, kind of cool to see, like, hey, a new chapter in this kind of coming out, like, around this. Well, I mean, this is coming out now. It basically already has come out. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure also that Kenetja USA did publish a lot of those uh, spinoff volumes of Orange. So I think that I, I'm so, I'm disappointed they didn't do like a translation of this, a simulpot of this, but I'm sure like eventually I bet there'll probably be another collection of new orange one shot spin-offs. I'm sure we'll probably get more stuff as the tenth anniversary comes next year, and then I think Anansha USA will translate this. So like something to look forward to. Speaking of things getting new chapters, Beast Complex has got a new short story. It's getting one in August twelfth issue of Akita Shoden. Uh, and it's also, yeah, it's it basically it's going to be included in a bonus booklet for Beast Star for Beast Complex. So that's pretty cool. Getting another new chapter, I, I do wonder if like, okay, well, this is kind of outside of the compiled volume. So will we see this get an official translation? I'm sure Paro will continue to return to the world of Beast Star to Beast Complex as this goes along. So maybe in 
as more chapters accumulate, we'll get like a fourth book as at some point, and then this will get translated. But yeah, it seems that Paradigaki, even though she's about to start doing a new manga, not quite ready to leave the world quite yet. And speaking of her new manga, that's pretty exciting. Like she's got a new series called Sanda, which is about a girl who's desperate to fulfill the wish of her dead friend and wants to awaken Santa Claus in his descendant. Sanda in a world a future without Christmas. So that's kind of an interesting concept. It's always a little strange to see Itagaki's human characters after yeah. used to her like animal characters. But hey, like looking forward to this currently running in a weekly show to champion. I'm sure this I I don't know how long it's to run. Like her last series was only about a one volume one work. We'll see how long this will run, if it's meant to be a more of a long runner, or it's also gonna be another short term thing. But you know, always interested in more stuff from Minagaki. Yeah, I, I really hope that her works outside of Beast Stars and Beast Complex get picked up by somebody eventually, because I, I would like to check them out. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get her last series picked up by someone at some point. I'm sure this one, too. I feel like that last one she did would be a perfect pickup for Seven Seas. Yeah, I think it's very much up there, Allie. Speaking of, like, new manga spinoff things, we have a new Sukeban Deka manga that's coming out in August in, also speaking of Akishoda, like, in their monthly princess magazine. So, yeah, it's going to be done by Sai Ihara, pen in the script, and Shingi Hosokawa drawn the art. It's going to be called Sukeban Deka Pretend, about a new girl who attends the, the high school of the series. I mean, it's going to be basically when she encounters a mysterious yo-yo and a mysterious girl. So it seems like a next generation kind of thing. Like basically handing off the yo-yo to the next generation to keep the peace. A delinquent girl gang action. So I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I like Sukeban Deka. I'd be interested in reading more spin-offs, more work. So maybe with this as well, I think this would be something that, you know, Seven Seas, you know, speaking of them, might be interested in picking up. Something I'd really like. I'd also really like if the new manga from Hikari Hikawa would get licensed. Like, I really enjoyed Panty Pony, Panty Buddy Dash. And so I'm interested and intrigued about their new work that's coming in Kadansha's Morning 2 magazine on August 23rd called Even Reincarnated, Karu is Still Spoiling for a Fight, which is about a guy who's kind of, you know, a shut-in. But he used to be like the evil Dark Lord from the fantasy world. And he has an encounter with the hero from his world who had defeated him and now is a reincarnated high school girl. So kind of like a devil is a part-timer kind of premise. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And I like Hikawa's sense of humor. So I'd be interested in this if this ever were to get localized. And similarly, I'm interested in Takei's new manga, Ruki Takei is launching a new manga with artist Yuki Imada called Mini for King, which centers on kids who race laser mini for WD cars. So it's kind of like a tie-in manga with like a, a toy brand. But, you know, I think like uh, the combination of a K's writing and then this artist's art is going to be like really fun. It's going to be a core car comics thing. so more of a kid-friendly thing. But, you know, I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this will ever get localized. I don't know how popular these Mini 4 King toys are internationally overseas. But <laughs> hey, you know, cool to see Takei do a new project. And I'd be interested to hear like how this turns out. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cool, actually. 
Um, but is it okay if I talk about this last piece of serialization news real quick? Sure thing. All right. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure we're both excited about this. So, um, obviously, Full Metal Alchemist is celebrating its 20th anniversary, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, sort of part of that celebration is uh, that Hiromu Arakawa, the author of both Full Metal Alchemist and Silver Spoon, respectively, is going to be coming out with a new manga in uh, Square Enix's monthly Shonen Gangan, which... I'm pretty sure that's where the original Full Metal Alchemist ran, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so yeah, that is that's really cool. Um, we don't know anything much about the manga just yet. Uh, we do have like a, a kind of rough draft of like a sort of key visual thing that looks pretty cool. Like the character in front kind of looks like if Riza Hawkeye were a ninja, and I'm kind of into yeah. that, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, so unfortunately, not a lot of info on it just yet. I'm very excited about it. I'm sure you are as well. We love Arakawa's works on this podcast, if you couldn't tell. Um, and yeah, I hope I hope we even get like a cyberpunk for this. That'd be uh, yeah. kind of cool. It would be such a missed opportunity if we did. Oh, man. At, at the very least, I'm sure that Square Enix will like promptly come out and like license this for, for an English release since they're doing their own stuff anyway. So, you know, um, but yeah, that's really cool. Uh, more stuff from Hiro Arakawa. Never going to say no to that. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited. I can't wait to, to, to read it eventually. But that's about it for serialization news. Uh, we are going to move on into our licensing news. And once again, so much stuff has come out and been announced over the past month or so that we are going to have to kind of, uh, you know, basically highlight the licenses that we are kind of the most excited for. Again, like we usually do, both Lum and I have picked about 10 licenses that we want to talk about. So about 20 overall, I think, is still like a good selection. Again, out of like the 30 plus that got announced or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, Lum, if it's okay with you, um, I'd like to go first if that's okay. Yeah, by all means. All right. So um, the first few licenses I'm going to talk about are from Kodansha. And when I was kind of looking through these licenses and trying to like form my list... I just kept going from license to license being like, oh, this is actually interesting. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is interesting. Like there there was there were there were more titles in here that I was kind of interested in than I kind of thought there'd be. I'm not sure why I thought that admittedly, but I was just kind of surprised like, oh, there's like a couple licenses here in a row I'd actually really like to read. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is Island in a Puddle from K. Sanbei. For those who don't know, the author of uh, of Erased, uh, you know, a manga that we both love. No, we have mixed feelings at best. Um, we really need to do an episode on a race at some point because I have feelings on a race that I need to get out in podcast form eventually. <laughs> oh boy! But um, it, admittedly, you know, as mixed as we are on a race in particular, um, Kason based other stuff always looks really interesting, and I, I do want to read like more of their stuff. But just to kind of talk about this one. So uh, the summary for this one says basically in the tiny apartment where Minato lives. Uh, may as well be an isolated island in the middle of the ocean. That's the uh, that's the metaphor there. Uh, despite still being in elementary school, it falls on his shoulders to care for his little sister, Naisa, who never stops asking when their mother will make one of her infrequent visits home. On one of those visits, their mother takes them to an amusement park, only to give Minato some cash and leave them on the Ferris wheel. But as the wheel reaches the top, lightning strikes, and instead of his sister, Minato sees the corpse of a woman and reflected in the glass looking back at him an unfamiliar and menacing face so this already sounds really really sad and already kind of like man this is 
this is some depressing stuff. And then, then it turns into like a Freaky Friday thing. Like that's that's kind of interesting. And maybe you can correct me on this. I don't know. And maybe I'm just kind of misunderstanding. But like at first, I thought like Minato and his mother might have switched places, and maybe that's eventually what's going to happen. But they kind of keep it kind of vague. So, like, I don't know if, like, maybe he just switches with another person and maybe he just has to get back to his body from there or whatever. But I don't know. It just, it sounded interesting. Like, again, Kei-Sanbei, again, you know, their execution may not always be, like, amazing or perfect or whatever. But you can't say that they don't always come up with at least, like, interesting ideas for stories, you know? Yeah. I mean, this seems like it has an interesting, like kind of horror trailer premise and Sambe is good at those I, I think the weakness is in the resolution of though at least in the case of Raced but I think that there's some good storytelling and character writing in like the early parts build up to that so I am interested in this it sounds intriguing mm-hmm. uh, next up I'm going to talk about Phantom of the Idol from Hijiki Isa Flavone I think that's how you pronounce that, uh, in which Yuya, one half of the boy pop duo Zings, may be the laziest performer in the Japanese music industry. His partner is out there giving 110% every night, and thankfully he's quite popular. Uh, but Yuya's half-assed sloppy dancing and his frankly hostile attitude towards the audience uh, has his fans hating him and his agent looking for any excuse to cut him loose. The career of a pop idol just isn't the path of easy leisure and adulation Yuya expected. Uh, But after a particularly lifeless concert appearance, Yuya meets a girl backstage. She's she's dressed to the nines in a colorful outfit. She's full of vim and vigor. And all she wants from life is to perform. There's just one problem, though. She's been dead for a year. This is the ghost of Asahi Mogami, the beloved singer whose time on the stage was tragically cut short. Unless, if ghosts are real... Is spirit possession really that much of a stretch? So I wasn't sure how I felt about it just kind of based on the cover. I, I don't know what it was. It was just like, oh, I don't know about this. But then I read the premise and I was like, oh, this sounds like it could actually be like pretty fun and funny, actually. Yeah. I, and I, I also really like that uh, the, the the title of this book is just a play on like the Phantom of the Opera. You know, I, I thought that's a pretty catchy title. Um, so yeah, this this sounds like it could be pretty fun and funny. Like I, I really like the idea of this premise so far. Uh, the idea of this girl like taking over Yuya and like his entire demeanor just changing and possibly you know uh, helping him rise and stardom from where he is right now. You know, just it's just an interesting fun story. I, I'd at least like to check it out. Next up, we have Sensei's Pious Lie or Sensei no Shirui Uso from Akane Torikai. In which basically Mizusu Hara is a 24-year-old high school teacher. Her peaceful days of instructing her students begins to change with the advent of her friend Minako's fiancé Hayafuji. Uh, four years earlier, Mizusu endured a traumatic experience at the hand of Hayafuji, uh, which she has never forgotten, but has kept it secret from Minako to protect their engagement and has rationalized it to herself as having occurred to her due to her being a woman, even if it has continued to negatively impact her emotional well-being. Um, so this was a series that um, I will admit that, um, you know, I know people who like who do like fan translations of this series. So like I had always seen this kind of like mentioned online a lot. And so, yeah, I like the title of this sounded like familiar to me because of that. So when I like looked into it and admittedly, like the actual uh, synopsis on uh, Kodansha keeps it a little vague. So I had to kind of like look up more info about it uh, just to kind of get more context. But uh yeah, this seems like obviously a very like tragic story 
about this woman having to come to grips with like sexual assault and everything. It's obviously a very heavy series and uh I don't know. It just it just sounded interesting to me. Like I'm really interested in seeing like where this goes. Hopefully this series is like, you know, thoughtful in like how it portrays that thing and like, you know, what it's like kind of trying to like overcome, you know, when that kind of thing like happens to somebody. Like it just sounded interesting to me. Uh, I think it could be good. I definitely at least want to check it out. Yeah, it's dealing with some very raw and difficult subject matter. So I'm very curious to read it and see how it handles those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of about it for the stuff I wanted to talk about from Kodansha. And I'm going to move on to Seven Seas. Again, the tidal wave of stuff we got from Seven Seas. It was it was a lot. Um, but the first thing I want to mention is uh, Witches, the complete collection from Daisuke Igarashi. Uh, which, for those who don't know, is the author of uh, Children of the Sea, which, by the way, is a very good manga and also got an anime film. Uh, still haven't seen it, but I, I need to, like, get on that. Very beautiful film. Gorgeous. So glad I could see it in the theater recently, because that is the way to experience it. It is an immersive experience, and I can see why Re- Reception to it was more lukewarm when it came out on Netflix last year than it probably would have been if more people got seen in the theater. Because it is a movie that like really is just so cinematic that like especially for the sequences at the end, like the biggest screen possible is the only way to truly do that justice to just suck you into that world. It's just a visual tour de force. Oh my god. Honestly, I wouldn't expect anything less because, again, the, the manga for that is already, like, really beautiful. Uh, and I, I have kind of a tangent, but I, I have, like, a lot of memories of, like, that very last volume just being, like, just just like a feast for the eyes. Like, holy shit, I don't think I've seen anything that, like, captures that same beauty. Like, that's another series we need to talk about eventually, because, like, man, it's it's so good. I, did, I think the movie did a great justice to that transcendent like otherworldly quality of the Garashi's work and how it's like sucks you in and makes you just feel through the art. Like I just, I just think it did a really fantastic job. Mm, for sure. But yeah, again, that's, that's why I think we're both excited to see more of their work uh, released in English again, via seven seas. Um, so apparently this is like a two volume kind of thing, which seven seas will be releasing in a single omnibus vo- format in both digitally and in print coming this March 2022, in which on a visit to the capital of a small country in the far west in the far west of Asia, a British girl named Nicola falls in love. Uh, the object of her affections is Mibar, a young man who works at a bazaar, yet despite her attempts, he doesn't notice her. Back home in England, the ache of her unrequited love festers. After years spent obtaining wealth, fame, and quote-unquote the secret of the world, uh, she returned to the bazaar to exact her deadly revenge upon Mimar and those he holds dearest. Uh, this story is just one of many in this dramatic collection, which features tales of witchcraft across the globe and even in the far reaches of outer space. Ooh, so this this already sounds really cool. Um, I tried to look this up because I didn't really have like a lot of context from the info that Seven Seas put out, but like... I wasn't sure if this was like a continuous like serialized story or if this wasn't like a collection of like uh, like an anthology kind of thing. But either way, like this sounds like the kind of thing that like I, I could easily see like I don't know like I, like this is the kind of thing I could see Daisuke Igarashi writing and drawing in particular. Like I can already imagine just like how beautiful and amazing the art's going to look for this. Uh, it even has like sort of like maybe a little bit of a horror tinge to it. Like this sounds cool and I can't wait to read it. Absolutely. 
Like, okay. Igarashi's art is always just such an experience. I'm so interested in reading it. And I am excited and looking forward to it because someone we know, a good friend of ours, is going to be lettering this series. Ooh. And I know they're working very hard about it and very excited about it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing their work alongside Igarashi's art. And I know they're going to do an amazing job. But all right, next thing I want to talk about is my dear friend Nokotan from Oshishoshio. That's a mouthful. Um, so this will be coming out both digitally and print also in March 2022, in which Tarako thought she had successfully buried a wild past to become a normal high school honor student, uh, with none of her classmates aware of her delinquent roots. Uh, but that all changes when she discovers Nokotan, a new transfer student with antlers tangled up in power lines and being attacked by birds. Is Nokotan an elk, a girl, or something in between? Whatever she is, Tarako may regret helping her since Nokotan can smell the former delinquent on her. Now a punky past and a monster girl have crashed into Tarako's life in this hilariously and chaotic high school comedy. So... Just judging from the uh, synopsis of this alone, like, I'm all, look, I mean, I'm a sucker for, like, delinquent type stuff, especially for, like, characters trying to, like, you know, uh, trying to hide hide that past, uh, hide that part of themselves or whatever. I think that could lead to some really funny stuff. Uh, But also, like, I guess this world takes place in, like, a, a, a world full of deer people? That's also the kind of thing that, like, uh, that kind of has me interested in this. Like, like the synopsis just kind of, like, throws out there, like, oh, they've run into a girl with antlers that's tangled up. Like, that's just, like, a normal thing. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to be, like, out of the ordinary for this world or not. So, like, dear delinquents, not really something that I ever thought I wanted or needed, but, you know, sometimes Seven Seas is pretty good at giving me things I didn't know I wanted, and this is this is one of them, so... Just on that, like, conceit alone, like, I have to check this out eventually. But next up, we have The 100 Girlfriends Who Really, 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 Really Love You. Uh, Written by Rikito Nakamura and illustrated by Yukiko Nozawa. Uh, That'll be coming out on February 2022. In which Aiji Rintaro tried and tried again, but after asking 100 girls out on a date, he was rejected every single time. In desperation, he prays for guidance, only to be told by God that his rejections were due to some sort of cosmic error. Now the God is going to get uh, going to set things right by making sure that Ijo uh, gets 100 dates, except, as things often do with gods, the dates come with a catch. 100 girls are destined to be Ijo's soulmate, and unless he returns their feelings each and every time, they'll die in horrible accidents. Uh, sure enough... Girls start confessing their love to Ijo left and right, but how is he supposed to choose? Uh, he doesn't want to kill anyone, but th- when he looks at each potential soulmate, it feels like a bolt of lightning. Can someone really love a hundred other people? This hilarious romantic comedy takes the harem concept to a wild extreme, and I will say I agree. Uh, I know this is like one of two Jump Plus things that like Seven Seas licensed recently. This was the one I was kind of like the interested in the most. I know I'd seen, like, this series kind of mentioned online here and there, um, but I didn't really know anything about it until Seven Seas licensed it, and I took a look at the synopsis. And, yeah, this is way more wild than, like, I thought it was going to be. And so, yeah, th- this sounds like the kind of thing I could really get into. It's it's at least, like, like you know, I'm not usually, like, super into harems, but, like, this is at least, like, the kind of over-the-top... No, I mean, this yeah. is ridiculous. Like, I've <laughs> heard about this. I've seen people, like 
gushing about this for a long time. Like, folks over in the WMR Discord, they love this series. It's just <laughs> basically super, super ridiculous. It takes the concept to its most over and that's what makes it just so fun. Like, Oh, boy. It's not even that etchy, honestly. So it's like just fun kind of rom-com shenanigans. Just like this idea of this guy eventually collecting 100 girlfriends. Like, I think like he dates someone and then one of the girls he's dating's moms also gets included among the number of his girlfriends. It's, oh, wow. This crazy stuff just happens in this. And it's just, it's just all comical. It's just all silly fun. So I think that it's it's a looking for, I'm looking forward. It looks just to be like a fun little rom com, and especially since I know like people have been loving this for so long, I, I was looking forward. I was anticipating this would get licensed someday, and that day has come. So yeah, definitely one I'm definitely keen to check out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna check this out. In general, I, I hope that Seven Seas continues to pick up more Jump Plus stuff. Because again, like I've mentioned on the show before, I'm I'm increasingly interested in the kind of titles that Jump Plus uh, has to offer. So there's that. Uh, next up, I want to talk about The Tunnel to Summer, The Exit of Goodbye. Both the light novels and the manga adaptation have been picked up, uh, with the manga being done by Kodan, and the light novels being written by Mokune Hachi and illustrated by Kuka. Uh, that'll be coming out on July 2022, in which uh, Tono Kaoru has heard a rumor that the laws of space and time mean nothing to the Urashima Tuttle. Uh, if you find it, walk through and you'll find your heart's desire on the other side in exchange for years of your own life. On the night, Kaoru just so happens to find himself standing in front of the tunnel that looks suspiciously like the one the rumor describes. He finds himself thinking of Karin, the sister he lost in an accident five years ago. To Kaoru's surprise, he's been followed by a new transfer student named uh, Anzu Hanaki, who promises to help him experiment with the mysterious tunnel. But what does she want from Kaoru in exchange? And what will he have left to give after the tunnel's done with him? And so, yeah, this this was a premise I thought was really interesting, kind of taking the idea of the story of, like, Urashima and the, and the Tamate box and whatever that, like, basically ages you up when you open it, like, that whole thing. I really like the idea of taking that and turning it into this, like, kind of supernatural premise, like, turning it into this literal tunnel that you walk through in order to, like, go back to the past and also, like, uh, giving up years of your life in exchange. Like, th this is an interesting idea for uh, for a story, and I, I can't wait to, like, check this out eventually. Next up uh, is one that I'm especially excited for called My Brain is Different, Stories of ADHD and Other Developmental Disorders by... Monzusu, in all caps, uh, that'll be coming out on April 2022, in which this intimate manga anthology is about the struggles and triumphs of individuals learning to navigate daily life with a developmental disorder. Uh, the comics follow the stories of nine people, including a junior high dropout finding an alternate path to education, a former troublesome quote-unquote child helping kids at a support school, a so-called problem child re realizing the beauty of his own unique quirks, and a man falling in love with the world with the help of a new medication. This inspiring volume illustrates their diverse anxieties and finding self-empowerment in a world not quite built with them in mind. So I think this is the title out of everything Seven Seas has licensed uh, recently that like really speaks to me the most because, again, as I've mentioned on the show before, you know, uh, as someone who's on the spectrum and has Asperger's, like this is something that I'm really interested in uh, in reading. And I don't know, I I really I'm interested in stories about you know uh, people like myself, you know. So 
Uh, this this was an easy sell for me, so I'm definitely going to be picking this up, and I I can't wait to read it personally. Yeah, same here. It's also it was always like very helpful in a certain way to read about other people's experiences with some of the same things you have. Like I also have ADHD, I also have my own things. So yeah, like I think that there can be a lot of cathartic stories. I always enjoy like kind of essay comics people draw online. And I always find a lot of them very helpful. So in a similar way, I think like this book will be a very nice collection of stories of different people dealing with different developmental disorders in a way that. You know, it can be very cathartic, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of this. Like, I could see this being a pretty big seller personally, but uh, we'll just have to see. Um, but that's kind of about it for uh, for everything I wanted to mention from Seven Seas, and uh, the last two uh, licenses I want to mention are from separate publishers. Uh, one of the biggest ones that uh, I'm just gonna say was announced during Colton Con, uh, and I. I Look, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna let this down. I called it. Uh, you did. <laughs> we were literally <laughs> talking on on Discord about because uh, literally while we were all like hanging out together, like in person, we saw that Viz was like, "Hey, we're gonna announce some things tomorrow." And we were like, "Oh, hey, that's exciting!" And I, I literally mentioned on Discord like, "Okay," so I, I literally predicted that they were gonna license this, and then they did, <laughs> and like I wasn't expecting it because like I just kind of put it out there. And, like, you know, like, I thought, like, okay, they're clearly going to, like, announce something pretty big. Like, I had a feeling they were going to. But, like, I just kind of threw this one out there. Like, I wasn't, like, entirely sure they were ever going to do it. And now they are. So, everybody can thank me for, the, for this being licensed is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, yeah, so not to bury the lead, but uh, Viz has announced that they are going to be releasing Dragon Quest The Adventures of Dai. The manga adaptation or manga based on the Dragon Quest franchise of video games, written by Riku Sanjo and uh, illustrated by Koji Inada. Some some people may know those names as the people behind Beat the Vandal Buster uh, that did get a run in English, and I'm pretty sure has been canceled this, at this point by Viz because it also like went on hiatus and for a long time and everything. That's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, this will be coming out uh, this spring, 2022. And um, so I'm just going to read, I'm going to read what uh, Viz wrote here because it's interesting. So, with the help of his friends, Dai will set out on a grand adventure to become the hero he was meant to be in the first arc of the legendary adventure series set in the world of Dragon Quest. So, a lot of people have pointed this out, but it seems like from the wording, I think we can assume that they're probably going to at least publish some of Dragon Quest, at least the first arc of it, I guess. I guess they're going to like see how this does at least that's what everybody's kind of getting from like the wording of uh when they announce this at least I, I guess we'll have to see but i don't know i really hope that we get all of this like i would you know dragon quest the adventures of die is a manga that i've been wanting to read for a while but you know is one of those things where like i've seen bits and pieces of the scans for the series and they're not great i'll just say um so i'm really happy that viz is picking this up and i mean like I think it's safe to say that Dragon Quest right now is like is as popular as it's ever been with like all the new games coming out and the new anime that's out. And yeah, I mean, I really hope that we eventually get all of this. Like, I would really hate for like this series to do so poorly that they only like release part of it. I guess that's kind of everybody's one fear now, but I'm going to hold out hope that they will like eventually put out all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that this has gotten licensed, even if this is only going to start off as part of the series i hope that they will do all of it i think that you know 
if there's enough support for it, they will do all of it. I think that, you know, the fact that the anime has been on for so long right by now, it probably helps it. I mean, I don't hear as much talk about it nowadays, but I do think that it is very well liked. So, you know, I think it's also a good thing to have that version of the story now to really easily get into it that way. But now yeah, I'm glad to have the original manga. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that this is continuing to make these efforts to publish, like these older titles now. Like we saw it with Fist and now we're seeing a Dragon Quest. I mean, I think we're in a good spot for some things we thought would never get a chance over here in terms of licensing and publishing. You know, we're, we're seeing that now it seems the sky's kind of the limit. Like, anything is possible. This is one such case. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to buying that. You know, if they are kind of on the fence of, like, trying to get all of it out, uh, then this is definitely something that I'm going to try to do my best to, like, pre-order and, you know, try, try to support as best I can. You know, I really do want this to do well. And I have been really interested in reading this for the longest time. So I'm definitely going to try to support it as best I can. Anyway, um, but the last license I do want to talk about is Renjo Desperado by, oh boy, uh, An Dong Shik. I think that's how you pronounce that. I try my best. Um, so this is a manga that was licensed by Denpa, and that's going to be coming in winter 2022. Just quoting them uh, specifically, this action comedy manga follows a young samurai woman who is wandering around the frontier looking for love. Uh, but all the men she encounters on her travels are scum. Dempa describes this manga as an action rom-com with a little bit of country and a little bit of chambara and a lot of great art from Andangshik. So, yeah, uh, again, this is uh, I, just judging from the cover alone, like I already really like the art for this. Um, and look, I'm a sucker for samurai stuff and chambara and whatnot. So a badass samurai woman. Yes, please. Uh, give me more of that, please. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking this out. So, yeah. Um, I think that's gonna. Yeah, that's that's about it for all my licenses. Again, like uh, th these were the ones that like I genuinely thought were like the most interesting to me, and uh, I hope everybody goes out and checks them out uh, when they're available. And I'm definitely gonna at least like check out some of these in the future at some point. But uh, I guess Lum, do you want to go ahead with your list? Yeah, I also chose. Uh, there were a lot of things that I wanted to talk about, so it's kind of good that we kind of split things up in this way, like. Because, you know, there's just plenty, plenty that you didn't mention that I was like, oh, cool, I get to talk about this. So I'm happy about that. But starting off, I also will start off with a cancer title. Come in Spring 2022 is a galaxy next door from Yuno Amagakure, the artist of sweetness and lightning. This is a very different kind of series, though, because it's about a desperate Bongars called in to support their two younger siblings and gets a new art assistant who seems basically by this synopsis to be from space or... You know, considering that they use one small step, giant leap, uh, she's probably from outer space or something, an alien of some kind. But she's apparently like an incredible assistant because, you know, he, all his other assistants quit out on him. And this assistant that, you know, comes into his life, she's such a great artist. She finishes everything on time. She's beautiful and she knows a lot about him. So, yeah, I think this is a cool 
premise, you know, the idea of like, hey, this alien becomes your art assistant. Uh, what possibilities would that lead? Like, I think that's a fun concepts. And the art looks good. The character design on the cover looks good. So yeah, I also enjoyed Sweetness and Lightning. So I'm interested just in more works from Amagakure in general. So yeah, looking forward to this a lot. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I also really liked Sweetness and Lightning. Uh, the anime specifically. I still need to get to the manga of it. Uh, that's definitely on my list, but uh, yeah, I like Sweetness and Lightning enough, so I'll, I'll definitely be checking this out. This was like, I guess, like one of my honorable mentions, I guess if you could call it. Now I'm moving on to Seven Seas stuff as well, and that is the bulk of my Rex, because Seven Seas, of course, drowned us in just so many, it's hard to not just choose like out of their titles. But starting off, I'm going to mention... Uh, one of their ghost ship titles that actually caught my eye, and that's coming out in April 2022, called Mushimaru's It's Just Not My Night, Tale of a Fallen Vampire Queen. And this is basically about a super powerful vampiress who is on the world world conquest, but a teleportation spell goes awry, and she ends up getting stranded on Earth, where she's basically lost her power that defines her being a vampire, like drinking human blood, so you can't steal energy from other people. But she has to make men's meet somehow. She she ends up working a part-time job at a convenience store, selling smokes to bikers and trying to understand the subtleties of Earth life. And then she thinks, oh, maybe I'll make more money spilling my panties. So <laughs> this is a Shonen Magazine title. So it's been run for a little while now, since June 2020. And it just seems like a, a funny, kind of etchy, kind of uh, reverse kind of Isekai story. Like, and this is very much like, oh, Devil is a part-timer. but, but a Yeah, yeah. Queen. So, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. I like the title. I like the sense of humor from the description. And hopefully it doesn't get, like, too pervy, but considering that the vampirist, Manamir, is, like, the main character, I think it, it will be executed in a fun way. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I think it sounds, like, fun. I'm, I'm curious about it. I will check it out. At the very least, I hope it's not, like, too exploitive, you know? Yeah. I mean, with Chona Magazine, it's really a crapshoot, but they can do <laughs> they can do fun, edgy in there. Like, I think Yamada Clonet, like, is on the realm of fun edgy. You know, they, they can... It depends on the artist. Depends on the author. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, now, moving on to... So, so I think probably more, uh, less edgy title. But we'll see. Maybe maybe it's also very horny. I, I'm sure it probably is in some regard. It's Muscle Girl Next Door by Amasuke Ano. That's coming out June 2022. About a college guy who is kind of tin, kind of scrawny, a little self-conscious about it. But he meets like a super totally cut lady named Ruby. You can haul massive logs around. He just thinks she's just the epitome of macho coolness. And, like, he's so smitten by her. And it basically is just a wrong comment from there about this kind of scrawny guy, like, trying to court, like, this big, buff, cool girl. And I just think that's, like, a charming little premise here. Playing ideas with, like, gender and, like... A presentation ideas like that and also like I, I think this is cool to have like a romance story with like just a super cool fit girl so yeah that that intrigues me i am super looking forward to chickens out it looks very cute oh yeah this is 100 percent. i'm sorry 110 percent my shit like uh, this is this is so good yeah i'm definitely gonna check it out 
Next, I'm going to head into some more Yuri series because MC actually licensed a lot of cool ones. And starting off, I'm going to talk about Zeniko Samia's Five Seconds Before a Witch Falls in Love, which is coming out February 2022. It's about a witch and her hunter adversary. They kind of have this cat and mouse thing where, like, you know, the witch makes trouble for the hunter. And the hunter is like, ah, I'll get you. But then, like, an altercation goes sideways one day, and she, the witch turns the hunter into a cat. And then a cascade of unfortunate events, like, means the witch is now responsible for saving the witch hunter. So sparks fly between these antagonistic ladies. So what will the relationship be like after this catastrophe? Which is a good pun in this 70s copy description here. But yeah, this, this sounds like a fun little title about like two enemies to lovers kind of thing so yeah i just think it's a a little fun yuri supernatural premise and the next title i'm going to talk about is the yoi asawa's hello melancholic this is also coming out in february 2022 and it's about like tall but stooping high school student named Asano and she's an awesome trombone pair but she just wants to fade into the background she's a real introvert she really doesn't want to put herself out there but despite her best efforts to like kind of not stand out she attracts the attention of a bubbly and charismatic upperclassman named Hibiki who wants her to join the band she's forming in school and it's not going to take no for an answer so is she going to be able to let go of the past and play in a band again can these polar opposites harmonize through music well I I'm interested in learning and seeing for myself. It seems like a cool Yuri title about like kind of this shy introverted girl kind of learning to open up and be comfortable around people with this other girl in a band. So kind of similar, probably some revives or some storylines and like specifically Liz in the Blue World is kind of reminding me a little bit of in terms of central relationship in that that movie so yeah like I'm curious about this this seems really really neat and next I am interested in monologue woven for you by Siu Yasaka which is all interesting because it's going to be like a full color manga this is also coming out in February 2022 and it's basically about two college students who share a dream and you know, they're, uh, they have opposite paths, but they collide. And will their ambitions pull them together, bring them apart? Like, one of them, Harka, you know, has abandoned her dreams of doing theater. But, you know, it's still haunted by, like, kind of memories of her past. While the other girl now, you know, chases her dreams for the stage head on. And refuses to back down or let obstacles get in her way. So, when the two lives of these women cross, and despite their contrary feelings about the world of stage performance, you know, they might end up entangled and might end up in love. So this sounds like a medical premise. I'm also just curious about the fact that it's a full color manga. So I'm curious to like see how it uses color to its advantage in the storytelling. So yeah, just another cool Yuri title that I'm really excited for. And it's really cool that they're all coming out at the same time, basically all in February 2022. But the last MC's title that I'm really excited for, like probably the one I'm most excited for, because it just sounds so fascinating, so interesting, is Until I Meet My Husband by Yoshi Suzuki, which is adapted from the memoir from Yosuke Nanasaki. This is coming out in June 2022. It's about a collection of stories recounting the author, uh, Ryosuke Nanasaki's first as a young gay man, searching for love and having trouble with dating 
who, you know, they're in their dating life, they had a lot of unrequited love, a lot of speed bumps, but, you know, over time and perseverance, you know, they eventually do find the love of their life. And so it's a it's a cool memoir by a gay activist in Japan, Ryusuke Saki. It follows his, his story, life story, as Seventh describes it. And yeah, like it was originally an essay novel. It was a novel of collected essays. And now it's like adapted into this manga form by Yushi Suzuki. And yeah, it's going to be available in English next June. And I just think that's just so cool. Especially because Ryusuke Nanasaki, like, his marriage was the first religiously recognized same-sex wedding in Japanese history. So there's like a historic element to this. Like, So I, I'm really curious to learn more about his story as told through the lens of this manga. Like, I'm so excited for it. I think it's just such a great title to release during next June. So yeah, like this is one that I'm absolutely the most looking forward to. Like it just sounds so, so interesting. Oh yeah, no, this was, uh, this was something I was interested in too. I, I only didn't put it in my list because I kind of figured you were going to talk about it, honestly. But uh, otherwise, I would have put it in my list, too. But uh, yeah, I, I had like heard about this like a little while ago before it got picked up. And from what I heard about it, it it seemed really interesting. So it's just it's just interesting because my roommate actually was like reading the manga version of this or whatever. And so it was kind of on my mind, like right before it got picked up. So it's just kind of interesting how the timing worked on there. But uh yeah, no, this is something I'm definitely interested in. I, I'd, I'd like to check it out eventually because from from what I heard from my roommate, it it seemed uh, it seemed pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's always cool to see like the stories of activists, like people's like genuine lived experiences, just being described and told in this way. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Next, uh, I got some Viz tiles mentioned. Kind of some stuff that is like you expect me to bring up. For instance, like Demon Slayer's Stories of Water and Flame manga collection, like the collection of the stories that Ryoji Hirano drew about, you know, Tomioka and Rengoku. Like those are finally going to be collected in a volume that's all going to be brought over here in the English Spring 2022. Like I've been wanting to read these for a long time, but like, they always seemed interesting. And, you know, big Demon Slayer that I'm and, like, I really am excited to check this out when it does drop. And, of course, I'm also excited to check out a new collection of Kazuo Mez short stories. Because Wiz is releasing Orochi, the perfect edition. And that's coming out in a big deluxe hardcover format. It's going to have nine short stories coming out in Spring 2022. That's also awesome. Like, I love Kazuo Mez, like Drifting Classroom. Glad to see more of his work come out over here. And, of course... You know, obviously, I am just so, 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 so excited to have another Rumiko Hakaji short story collection come out after so long. We're getting a new one in English called King the Mirror and Other Tales. It's coming out Spring 2022. Going to be a collection of different short stories she's done, like King the Mirror. And it'll also include her autobiographical uh, story about her lifelong love for manga, like how she got into manga, like, which I have read. And I'm glad to see that's going to be, you know, available in English uh, legally, officially now. So I'm glad that Viz is now looking into de- translating and localizing her short story collections. There's just so many of them that we haven't got over here. Like they also, I hope, republished the old 
World and Wick Theater collections at some point. But, you know, I'm just so excited for more Takahashi, more Takahashi short stories in particular. So that was a really great treat when they announced that. And my final licensing announcement is not manga, but is a light novel, or rather just regular novel that is a huge deal that it finally has gotten announced and it's coming over. And that's Tomihiko Morini's Tatami Galaxy. That is finally coming out in English in the fall of 2022, with the sequel Tatami Time Machine Blues coming out in the summer of 2023, and it's going to be translated by Emily Balisteri. So that is really great because they're a great translator and I know that they're going to do a super great job with trying to translate Morimi's probably very obtuse style of writing into English. So I, I'm very excited. Obviously the enemies great it's i can't believe it's over 10 years old at this point but like yeah to have the original novel like available in english finally it's going to be such a treat and especially since you know bowser previously translated night short walk on girl like this is just such a great choice for to give them also like the tatami galaxy so i'm really excited for this really can't wait to read it it's just so cool to get more marini but yeah and that is the last of my licensing list that I want to bring up and a lot of other great titles that were you know licensed in the past month that we could have mentioned but there's just too much there's just so much so if we missed something that you want to hear us talk about you know we're definitely aware of it but unfortunately we just didn't have time to go over it but you know I think it's a good thing that there's just so much out there now that you know we can't even keep up like it's hard for us like to be oh man what do we pick and choose what we want to highlight here what we want to spotlight but i think it's a good thing there's just so much out there like there's so much to look forward to if for like different people there is something that fits your niche and interest oh yeah like if we tried to cover everything this podcast would would at least be like another hour longer than it's going to be already yeah like i think we covered between us maybe half if that probably oh, less jeez I, I think we covered like a pretty strong selection of titles though so I, i'm i'm pretty okay with what we covered personally yeah but i think that's about it for serialization or uh, that's about it for licensing news and um i think we have some industry stuff to talk about yeah i mean speaking of like how good a state the industry is in right now i mean we've got a couple different stats that have shown that the manga market in north america is uh, in a real great place of growth because during an npd uh webinar recently that was focused on the u.s kids market it was revealed that manga is like the second largest category for kids fiction by market share Mm. Uh, like it is only behind juvenile fiction, like in terms of like the common graphic novel category. And this is out of like 30 million units sold in 2020, basically. Like manga had a lot of that market share and it showed like a 44% growth year over year from 2019 going into 2020, which is pretty astonishing. It is like definitely one of the bigger growth rates like not the biggest but it's still like really significant and in general the total comics referendum market as a whole saw an increase of 112 percent and manga was up in 2021 so far 284 percent in terms of so like 
We it is exploding. Manga sales and interest it, it is exploding, and I was also explored more by ICV two, which revealed that manga sales in North America really hit their all time high in twenty twenty. It passed the previous peak that was in two thousand seven, and print sales of manga in twenty twenty that that's the highest they've ever been. I mean, so it's been a long road for recovery since, like, the crash of the late 2000s. But we've surpassed the previous peak, and it looks like we're just continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Like, manga as a market is just continuing to just do wild numbers. And that's uh, that's causing some problems, though, as we mentioned before. Like, there's a lot of demand, supply, and not necessarily in a place to keep up with it. There is a shortage in the supply of manga in terms of, of what is getting shipped out to bookstores and retailers. Like, not just the major chains, but also specialty shops. They're really running out of the big popular titles. They're having trouble restocking them. And it's due for a lot of different factors. Like, there's a shortage of truck drivers. There's, like, poor congestion. There's kind of inflated container costs. So there's a lot of cost and logistics problems that are causing these supply chain sh- issues and that's gonna probably persist until 2022 obviously also the pandemic had a, a an effect on that as well in terms of like what people working at the publishers are saying like vp of publishing sales kevin hamrick for viz like he said that uh, a lot of uh, the increased demand consolidation in the printing industry uh, in the past few years have led to Printers being at mass capacity, not being able to accept new jobs in a timely manner. So the fact that, you know, the printers are also operating under COVID restrictions and book distribution warehouses are too. Like supply chain is uh, starting to slow down because of that. And of course, there are also shortages in like paper, pallets, cartons, employees, truck drivers, like a lot of, again, labor and logistics issues. Uh, Kevin Kurthasler, publisher at Gen Press, also said that like there's uh, an issue to increase demand, like printing lead times to increase steadily and substantially over the past two few years. I think still like there are a lot of volumes of stuff like Chainsaw Man, Deemster, and MHA that are like either low in stock or completely out of stock on Amazon. And uh, yeah, like uh, at for Ben Applegate at uh, Kidancha at Penguin Random House is saying like they're doing their best to reprint orders to account for transportation time, but hard to estimate what they need and when stores are going to get cleaned out and when they need to place those reorders. So it's just hard to, you know, deal with the demands of like getting books printed and then also having the staff facilities to accommodate that because currently production is like, you know, working street eight printers in five countries that have a good time in this process of validating more so you know if you're buying manga for a store and there's an order you are naturally going to be fulfilled like applicant devices that uh book store owners contact their pr8 sales rep to see what can be done so yeah like basically everyone is saying like you know <laughs> the printing industry is really affected by uh this issue of like not being able to print enough to meet demand and also like labor logistics, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, again, as we mentioned before, like, manga is a great place in terms of sales, but with that comes, like, all these growing pains problems of not being in a place to completely, perfectly 
uh, keep up with demand. So I think those issues hopefully will smooth out as we go into next year, but I think it will persist to this year. But I know that, you know, as much as a problem it is for maybe fans in North America, I know this just puts even more uh, strain for folks overseas. Like I know a lot of uh, our Twitter friends have been complaining about how this manga supply shortage problem has been affecting them and their ability to get books. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that uh, is going to need to be worked on these food over for the sake of both the publishers and the fans themselves. But again, I think it's a, it's a good problem to have that you're doing. You're so successful that you're like, oh, man, how can we just make more products to get out there for people who are just drinking it all up just devouring <laughs> our, our stuff rather than like producing all this stuff but like no one's biting so oh my god yeah it's it's amazing how well manga is doing right now and um again like we said like it, it does suck that like all these shortages and everything are kind of hindering like it's kind of funny that this is the only thing that could like really hamper sales of manga right now like it kind of it kind of feels like we've hit a ceiling at this point, but like I'm sure if printing and publishing were running as smoothly as uh, as they normally do, you know, I'm sure we'd be like the the industry would be making even more money if it weren't for these problems. It absolutely would. Like it's kind of funny that the only the only thing because like the timing with the pandemic and everything, like it's kind of sad that that's like the only thing that's kind of stopped manga from growing even bigger. It's just it's just kind of sad that we have this limiter on us at the moment, but. Hopefully things will get better in the future and hopefully, you know, people will be able to buy their copies of Chainsaw Man or whatever, you know. Makes me kind of worried, just anecdotally. Uh, I'm in the middle of trying to collect 20th Century Boys uh, for a future podcast, wink, that we're going to do hopefully at some point. I only have one more volume to collect of 20th Century Boys and I, ha- I just haven't been able to get it because I... Uh, I just haven't had the money for it lately. The bills and shit, you know, adult stuff. Um, but I'm I'm really worried that I'm going to get to the point where it's like, oh, I finally have the money to get the last volume of 20th Century Boys, and then it's going to be out of print. So the, the, I, I feel like I'm kind of running the clock in terms of like, man, I got to get that last volume before it's like out of print or something. Now I'm kind of like, I, I have this like anxiety of like waiting too long to collect the stuff I want to now because of everything going on. And that kind of sucks. But again, it's... It's it's a good problem to have, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, man, this is really inconvenient for everybody, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it'll smooth out. We will see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's about it for industry stuff, and we do have like some miscellaneous like interest pieces to talk about. A lot of anime stuff that we will get into. But for now, I'm going to talk about the Harvey Award nominations for uh, uh, for for the best manga category, and these are some really like strong nominations here uh, on the list. We have Naoki Urasawa's Asadora. We have Keito Gaku's boys run the riot along with Tatsuki Fujimoto's chainsaw man, Junji Ito's Remina and last but not least Tatsuya Endo's spy family. So these are some really good picks. I think uh, for this award personally, I'm rooting for either boys run the riot or chainsaw man to win, but that's just me. Yeah, I think I'm definitely all in on Boys Run the Riot, but these are all very deserving. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think you'd be happy whichever one won, because they're both great series and they have incredibly talented vocalization staff that work so hard on them. Mm-hmm. No, these these are these are all really good picks. So I, I mean, as, as much as I would like either of those to win personally, like, you know, I'm I'd, I'd be fine with whatever wins. Like all these are just that good. 
Next, we have kind of some audiobook news, like both One Piece books and impressive audiobooks coming up, and One Piece Books has launched like a audiobook for Shield Hero that is being narrated by Kurt Kanazawa, and that is out already, so you can check that out if you want to listen to an audiobook on Shield Hero, and that's basically available on pretty much, well, pretty much any platform you can get audiobooks like audiobooks.com and then Amazon, Apple Books, Audible, the likes. And the same is true for Yen Press's new imprint, basically, for audiobooks, Yen Audio, which is really cool because they have gotten, like, kind of the voice actors for the main characters of a lot of these series that they're making audiobooks for to narrate them. So that's pretty cool. Like, Bryce Packenberg. Kirito himself, for instance, is doing the sword art audiobook, and then Monica Real, Tanya herself, is doing Saga Tanya Devil's audiobook. So that's really cool. It's just a really nice thing. And so some of the titles that are being done as audiobooks include Solo Leveling, uh, Sword Art Online, Overlord, Miracles of Anamiya General Store, Saga Tanya Devil. So you can look forward to those uh, coming out in the next few months. Currently, Solo Leveling is out right now. And then the rest are going to come out in the, the subsequent months. But yeah, those are, I think, basically, like, you can find these audiobooks on their site, but also just wherever you can get audiobooks. So that's really cool. And it's cool to see, like, uh, Light Novel Publishers also getting into doing more audiobooks. Like, I know that the Monogatari series, uh, among a few others, have had audiobooks. I've listened to that before. That's also really cool. That was, like, Christina V narrated, like, the Bach and Monogatari audiobook and that was fun to listen to so yeah i am looking forward to hearing some of these i actually am very curious like the psychic time evil in one fruit particular is probably one i'd love to check out now on the subject of light novel stuff let's get into a light novel related announcement in the sense that konosuba has getting a new anime project we don't know what form it is right now whether it'll be movie or tv show but more konosuba anime is on the way it's been greenlit and i'm definitely looking forward to more like i was disappointed in the movie because there were some jokes and poor taste I felt in that movie, uh, as much as I love Konosuba and some of his humor, like, the movie went a little bit too far with some things, but, you know, I still love the characters, I still love the sense of humor, I'm still looking forward to seeing more in of the anime, so very excited for that. But there's a lot of things getting new anime projects soon. This includes Winland Saga, that's getting a second season, that's been greenlit, Return- everyone's uh, returning to direct design and... The staff and stuff is all over, just resuming it. And I'm just excited to see Kettle Farm animated. That's probably still my favorite part of the manga. It's such a great arc in terms of character development for Torfin. So different from what the series was before. It really turns it all on its head and really sets it up for the new direction that it's still currently on and has been since then. I just think it's the story, it's the arc that truly makes Winland Saga into kind of a masterwork story like before like the the, the prologue of women's saga it's all good stuff but it's really from kettle farm forward that the series truly has like a voice and philosophy and a heart to it that i truly love so i'm really excited to see this and i'm really excited to see people experience this part of the story and a lot of more cool new pro- anime projects to look forward to like there's new baki anime coming 
on Netflix to mark the 30th anniversary this fall. And that's pretty cool. It's a new Baki Anma anime. It's like the third Baki series that Netflix has produced. And I was just continuing the story of Baki. Baki and his clash, his, his battle with his dad, the strongest future on Earth. It's going to be the climax of the Baki universe. It's finally being shown. One of the promo art is like Baki, like kind of facing off against like a praying mantis. And the idea behind this is that he shadow boxes as training at one point and he imagines himself fighting like a giant praying mantis. So that's just a classic Baki ridiculousness that you just gotta love. And uh, if you're excited about Baki, well, there's also going to be a fan art contest that's going to be held through August 31st on Twitter or on the Baki anime website where you can like submit art, cosplay videos, or even original manga tributes to Baki. So yeah, you can get in on that while the contest is still running. But speaking of new Netflix like anime production things, like Beastars is getting a new arc quote-unquote, of the anime. Probably just, you know, new season of the anime, just continuing to make more Beastars, which is good. Good to see Beastars doing so well. And, you know, as they continue to make more of it, I mean, hopefully uh, they end up just making the entire show, uh, they, they, they adapt the entire manga into the show. So I'm looking forward to that. Like, I still need to check out season two of the anime, but like, I'm looking forward to doing that pretty soon here. Uh, something else I'm really looking forward to coming out soon next year is Fruits Basket is, you know, the final season wrapped up and it was really great. But there were some like uh, things people were sad that didn't make it into the show, especially in the final season. They really skipped over a few parts. But luckily, one of those things is going to get its due. And that's the backstory of Tori's parents, Kyoko Gatsia. That's going to be made into like a feature. Well, we don't know what the format or like the anime is, but I think like it'll probably be an OVA or a film. And that's going to come out next year in 2022, like Kyoko and Katsia's story. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think that is a very moving story, and I am glad that we are going to get to see that animated. I hope it is a, a film, just because I would love to go see that in a theater. I would love to see Fruits Basket in theater in some form. But yeah, like, I am just glad to see that this part of the story, which is, it is an important part, so it's a very compelling part, is going to be animated after all, after it had been skipped over a little bit in the show. But now we're going to get into, like, some film projects that have been announced. And uh, there's some exciting ones here. Let us first talk about something that just... <laughs> came out uh, the day of this recording, like this announcement of this revelation of more details on this project. Because we talked about it before that there's a new Dragon Ball Super movie in the works, but now we have like a lot more details about it, getting some concept art about it because it was announced at the panel at San Diego Comic-Con. And the movie's name is going to be called uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. I've heard a lot of people on Twitter already react uh, with mixed feelings to that title. And all I'll say is... I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it could have just been Dragon Ball Superhero. Super Superhero obviously sounds a little redundant, but you know, it's fine. Whatever. It's not the worst movie title in existence or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then, like, the promo is kind of Goku and CG, and I think people always have been feelings about that, but I think, like, you know, pretty good design. I think it moves well. I think it looks good. So if that's kind of the design things are going for, like, I don't think it's going to be 
that jarring. Like, I think it blends well with 2D. Considering that a lot of the production art that we saw in the panel that they did is, like, 2D art, like, character designs, even backgrounds and stuff, it probably will be, like, a combo of... 2D, 3D. And so I don't know if it'll even be that dissimilar to Broly necessarily. So, yeah, I, I'm not, like, disappointed that if they go on a more CG route, if, like, the design sense that they show in just this teaser is an indicator of what to look out for because I think it looks fine. Honestly, I just watched the teaser now. Um, honestly, I thought it looked better than what we were going to get. Obviously, this is just more like a proof of concept thing. Like, we don't know what the movie's going to look like for sure, but, like, if if this is the kind of quality we can expect, like I'm I'm pretty okay with what we're getting so far. Like I think the teaser looks good. Like I I re- I like seeing Goku kind of move around. And honestly, like if this is the kind of stuff we can expect for the next movie, I'm pretty okay with that. Like so far, it's looking better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks pretty fine. I think it looks good. I think like you know you can tell it's CG, but the art style doesn't look off. It looks. Like it can animate well, and you can really get into it. Looks like good style to it. Yeah, this is this is different from the CG they used in like Broly in certain parts or whatever. Like this this looks better than that at least. The modeling looks posh. The shading looks posh. It looks like it blends in with two D well. And I also think like character design wise, like they showed off some character designs in the trailer, like just a couple for, you know, some existing characters. Like they showed Pickle off and they showed Pan. I think one of the nice things is that finally it's like, okay, the characters are are aging now because Pan is like looks to be kindergarten age finally, at least. So it's like, you know, it still has to be pre Z. And she's only, like, three in, at the end of Dragon Ball Z. But at least, like, finally she's aging Pan. And maybe, like, finally, like, they'll have different character designs for Goten and Trump. So they don't <laughs> still look like seven and eight-year-olds when they're supposed to be, like, 14 or whatever. Which is fine, because in, like, Dragon Ball, obviously, Goku, what, as a 14-year-old, is also a little kid. But, like, at some point, they got to get their growth But At some point, we got to see a transition to how we saw them as teens at the end of Z here. It would be really funny if they were still just, like, little kids or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I guess one funny detail in this trailer is that they show it off where Piccolo lives and he has a house, I guess. It's like a Namekian-style house and just, like, on the top of this waterfall. So I thought that was, like, huh. a funny random thing they showed. But also by showing this background, I feel like, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to blend, like, 2D, 3D uh, imagery here. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we got too many new details. We got, like, one new character design. I don't know if it's supposed to be the antagonist of the film or he or he's going to be, like, a just a new character that they might ally with or help. Like, we really don't know anymore about the plot of the film or uh, what it's really about. But uh, I... I am interested to see in what direction they'll go in with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it still. I'm, I'm at least cautiously optimistic that this will be a fun movie. So, And as far as another film project I'm looking forward to, I mean, there are, we talked about them before, but there are Penguin Jump compilation films coming in 2022. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those. I'm looking forward to Ikahara, the kind of, what a director's cut kind of eye, uh, taking the TV series and remaking them as films. So, yeah, looking forward to see how that turns out and whether there'll be any surprises in re-editing the series. Like, maybe he finds, like, a new way in the editing to recontextualize things. Maybe they'll be added in 
things into the new recut films, new compilation films. So looking forward to that. I'm looking to see like how recycle a penguin jump uh, turns out. Maybe it will like be similar to like uh, the rebuild films of Ava in terms of like it starts off as like kind of a fateful kind of retelling, but then you get it diverges in a surprising way. So something forward to you. But uh, we talked about like new film projects coming out. Let's talk about some things that have been licensed that we're excited about. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and take this one. It's my time to shine because Gintama the Final or Gintama the Very Final, I guess as we're going to call it now, has been picked up for a North American theatrical release. Something I never thought was going to happen. And not only that, we actually have like confirmation as far as like when this will be coming out in theaters. Uh, so far, it's going to be released on November 21st and 22nd. Uh, that's a Sunday and a Monday, I guess, which uh, th- interesting time to like put this out in theaters. But at the very least, I know for me specifically, you know, th- I'll have uh, I should be off both those days from work. So I'm probably going to see this twice in theaters, um, especially since they're not only going to bring this out in Japanese with English subtitles, but they're going to be dubbing this movie too in English. And so that just raises a whole lot of questions, because for those who don't know, the Gintama anime has its history with um, with dubs in particular, because it's it's basically had like three different dub casts at this point. The first one from Sentai Filmworks when they dubbed the Benny Zakura movie. Uh, the second one from when they dubbed the uh, 2015 run of the anime with uh, with the Ocean Studios cast that you can watch on Crunchyroll. And now we have this third one that uh, I guess is on Hulu exclusively done by, I think it's done by TV Tokyo, or at the very least, I know it was like recorded in Miami in particular, um, which personally, I've tried giving it a chance. I'm just not super into it personally, but I, I think I wouldn't be so harsh on it if it weren't for the fact that I'm, I kind of wish we would just get the ocean cast back for it. I, I don't know if that's in the cards or not. There's a chance that the English dub for this movie could just have a completely different dub cast altogether, making it the fourth dub cast that this franchise has had. And, you know, like, it's, it's whatever. Like, what do you expect from Gintama at this point, you know? Yeah, it's the most Gintama thing. I think it's very appropriate. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, regardless, I'm so excited to see this movie in theaters. Like, I was... I wasn't holding out hope that this was good that this was gonna get an official release. I mean at the very least I kinda thought like, oh maybe Crunchyroll will just put it up for streaming or something. Like they'll get it eventually. But no, like that's this it's getting an actual theatrical release in North America and hopefully maybe like a home release. I'm ho- I'm holding out hope maybe that that's in the cards. I would like to own this movie in some form. I mean, look, I was gonna watch this film in some way, shape, or form. I'm just going to put it that way. But I am glad that it's coming out in theater so I can actually, like, support it legally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is, look, th- this is this is the finale of Gintama. Like, I don't, I don't think, you know, th- this is, this is the, this is the finale. This is it. Like, so I'm, you know, for, for those who are already in the Gintama and we're looking forward to uh, seeing the finale of the anime, basically, like, uh, if you live in North America and there's a screening near you, here's your chance. Like, I guess apparently tickets are going to go up on uh, Fandango on October 8th. So you could bet your bottom dollar that I am going to be getting tickets as soon as possible. I would really love to try to see this both in Japanese and in English. Again, if there's a screening near me, I'm really hoping my local AMC gets this, but I don't know what the chances of that are. Um, boy, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm... Pfft. 
I'm excited to see this movie. I don't know if you could tell. Um, I just was not expecting this, and I, I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see Gintama's finale in theaters, and I'm curious about this new dub. I probably will try and check out both the dub and sub versions of this, you know, because it is kind of a special event. So yeah, I'm excited for this, looking forward to this. November a little bit of ways away, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, you know, just waiting here with anticipation to see how it all ends on the big screen. God, I'm going to cry so much. It's not even funny. I'm going to be such a wreck when this movie's over. <laughs> I'm going to be emotionally exhausted. Uh, but, all right, we should move on to the next piece of news before I exhaust myself even more. Yeah, like, on the subject of, like, long-awaited film finales finally coming, Amazon ended up requiring the old Evangelion rebuild films, including 3.0 plus 1.0, and so the... F- the final Ava rebuild film that we have waited uh, seven years for. Woof. We are finally gonna be able to see it on Amazon Prime Video on uh, August 13th. So I I really would have liked to see this in a theater, uh, especially because it's such a big event. It's a big finale of the rebuild film series for Ava, like a big finale for Ava as a franchise, uh, presumably. But you know, I'm just glad to watch it at all. It's but I'm glad that, you know, it only just came out in Japan this summer. So at the very least, we didn't have to wait like another year or two, I guess, yeah, to for sure. watch it. I'm wondering like what the cast will be, if they'll go with the Netflix cast, if they'll stick with the cast Funny Me was using with the original, mostly original cast for the, the Foundation Dolls of the Rebuild films. I, are they going to go with a completely different cast? I, oh, I don't geez. know. We will see. We will see how... This will be on Amazon Prime. Will the Amazon Prime versions of the films have completely different dubs? Will they redub the previous films too? Oh my god! Like I don't. That's it's it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do. But you know, I am just excited to watch this film, and you know, I, I'm definitely it's definitely like been a long time coming, and. Uh, it's going to be bittersweet to see the end of Ava, this new version of Ava. But, you know, I, I, I want to see how it ends. So look forward to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I haven't seen any of the rebuild films, so I might I might just pinch all these movies, actually. <laughs> I feel like I need to take the opportunity to finally watch these movies, especially now with this last one coming out. Like, I have, I have to make time in my schedule to watch these. But yeah, I guess um, I'm going to go ahead and take over this this next licensing announcement because uh, this was another one that got announced during Colton Con. Uh, li- literally the the day that I think like we all like first met up, it was uh, this is, uh, was it? I think it was actually. Now I'm not so sure, but it, it was during the weekend. We were all like hanging out or whatever. Um, and and the, and the honestly the biggest license of that weekend, just in general, out of anything like. I think we were literally joking how, like, oh, man, nothing at Otakon's going to, like, you know, top this or whatever. Um, but in jokes aside, um, so G-Kids came out with a huge, huge license. And uh, that being Hayao Miyazaki's directorial debut anime series with future boy Conan. Uh, one of the few Miyazaki things that, like, has never had an English release before, as far as I can tell. This is the first time that anyone's picked it up and is going to be releasing it. Uh, G Kids is going to be releasing this series with a new 4K restoration and a new English dub. Um, so I'm very excited for this. Um, I, I will admit that um, 
I just recently checked out the first two episodes of this because uh, the guys at What a Cartoon, Bob and Henry, you know, they did an episode on the second episode of the series in particular. And so that's how I checked it out uh, initially. And uh, from from the little I've watched of it, it's a really good show, honestly. Like, I'm, like, I'm already surprised, like, two episodes in how, like, how well this show holds up from something from, like, the late 70s or whatever. Like, it's genuinely really good. Like, I actually can't wait to, like, watch the rest of this. I'm... So excited for this. I'm I'm hoping I can like pick up my copy of this when it's eventually out. Absolutely. Like I'm really excited for this license. Like this is another thing that's been a long time coming. And I'm glad that finally we'll have like a legal release of it over in the States. Like one of the most important anime productions of all time. Finally people can watch it. That's really great. I'm really wondering if this will end up on like streaming eventually. Yeah, probably will. I'm pretty sure it will. Like, I'm interested if it'll end up on, like, Crunchyroll or HBO Max or both, even. Cheekits has a deal, it seems, with, uh, yeah, HBO Max. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up on there with the rest of the Ghibli catalog. Honestly, this would be one hell of an exclusive for HBO Max. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can't, can't wait to watch this. I'm... Seriously, guys, like when when this is out, you you should check out the first two episodes and like and just try to tell me that you're not excited for the rest of it because like honestly, I was not expecting to like like the first two episodes as much as I did. Yeah, like I'm really glad that the show is gonna be legally available. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean again, big year for like classic series getting a second chance or of the first chance ever in terms of licensing. Oh yeah. But uh, we have some live-action series to talk about if you want to take those away. Yeah. Like, in addition to the upcoming anime, Komi Can't Communicate is actually getting a live-action series starting on September 6th on NHK. And uh, Eliza Ikeda is going to play Komi. And Takahisa Masuda is going to play Tadano. And so, yeah. Like, a live-action Komi series. It looks... I'm, I'm interested in it. Obviously, I don't know if it'll ever get it streaming over here but maybe we will i mean as we'll talk about like uh sometimes you know it seems like we're getting more live action pickups of uh, these manga adaptations as in the case of crunchyroll picking up the live action given series they have like added it to their service they've been kind of putting up new episodes as they come out in japan and that's been really great it's great to have the live action given series available as well so you know, I think that maybe in the future we will start seeing more of these live-action adaptations of manga series also pop up on some streaming services like Crunchyroll, Netflix, and the like, in addition to these uh, anime adaptations. Crunchyroll is really interesting to me in particular because it really feels like – because, you know, Crunchyroll's known for, like, it, like streaming anime or whatever. But they've also – they also have, like, their own share of, like, live-action dramas and stuff that, like, I feel like along with, you know th- – like, the manga side of Crunchyroll is really, like, fallen by the wayside, unfortunately. So, like, it's nice to see that, like, Crunchyroll is, like, uh, releasing some kind of live-action stuff again. Honestly, I, I kind of wish they would pick up more live-action stuff. Because some of the stuff they do have on there is, I think, is really interesting. And I, I do enjoy some of those. But, yeah, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, this is a sign that maybe Crunchyroll will start, like, picking up more stuff like that again. I mean, you never know. But it would be nice. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Hopefully so, but yeah. I mean, speaking of new additions to Crunchyroll's catalog, though, I mean, we mentioned before that most of Sergeant Frog had been added to Crunchyroll before, and now they have added the rest. 
like as of recently. So all 358 episodes of Sergeant Frog available to watch on Crunchyroll right now. That's pretty incredible, pretty amazing. Uh, definitely a project sometime to just walk through them all. But hey, man, it's pretty awesome to go from, man, we only had like a paltry amount of Sergeant Frog uh, legally available to now we have all of it. So that's pretty great. Again, this is this is a far cry from the days where I got so far into Sergeant Frog through like fan subs that like to the point where people just kind of gave up on it. And I would see like people with like their own YouTube channels dedicated to doing their own fan subs of Sergeant Frog and doing like, you know, sporadic episodes and stuff. Um, so this is this is amazing. I like I didn't think we were just going to get all of Sergeant Frog before Discotech had the chance to like put out their Blu-ray versions of it. But I mean, yeah, like, if you want to watch Sergeant Frog, it's all available for the first time legally. So I, I got I to gotta take advantage of that eventually. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, like, Crunchyroll-related stuff, I mean, finally, uh, it looks like we're getting the first of the Tanami Crunchyroll co-productions premiering very soon because Fenabire Princess is debuting on the block and on Crunchyroll on August 14th. Dub, of course, on Toonami, sub on Crunchyroll. I'm looking forward to the show. I mean, we, you know, we just covered Yona that on recently on the show. You'll hear that episode in a few months or so. But Fena really giving me uh, Yona vibes in terms of, like, the premise, in terms of the atmosphere feel of it. Like, I think the trailer looks really cool. I think the, the character Fena looks pretty cool. Seems like a cool protagonist. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am excited to see, like, the first of these co-productions and see, like, what the show is all about. I, I'm think it's, it's cool and i'm looking forward to like more of these co-pros as they continue to come out like i'm thinking we're still supposed to get blade or black lotus in the fall so i mean maybe after this ends like uh directly after that we'll get that show so yeah i, I mean i've seen we're finally seeing these roll out after a long time in production and it looks really good the trailers look really cool I, i'm really excited for them mm-hmm. i'll have to check out the first episode at least because i am kind of interested I think the trailers make it look really good. I think the animation looks good. I think the, the acting, I, I think the entire feel of it looks really strong. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. But that about does it for most of our news. We are going to wrap up now, though, with a, a fun thing, as we like to do, is like report on recent popularity poll results. And Viz recently did one for Undead Unluck. We previously talked about the Japanese poll results. Now we'll talk about the English poll results. And a mostly similar makeup in the top 10 here. We'll go from uh, top from number 10 to number 1 here. But uh, So at number 10, we had Rip. And then number 9 was Billy. 8 was Mui. 7 is Tatiana. 6 is Anna Un. 5 is Weez. 4 is Victor such Victor. 3 is Shen. 2 is Fuko. And 1 is Andy. So pretty similar to the Japanese top 10. The only big difference is that Victor is in this top 10 as opposed to Gina. But Gina wasn't like too far off of the top 10 actually. Even the English poll. She was at number 11. So even uh, amongst the US slash outside Japan readers. Like you know Gina was actually a very popular character compared to like how little she was in the series so hey character that really left an impact on folks but uh yeah like 
there are some like difference in uh, placements for some of these characters, but overall, I think it is what you would expect in terms of uh, the rankings. I think I, I appreciate the Jap- Japanese pulse side of having like Auto One be third place because I really love that character. But I think like this is still a respectable like ranking for everyone. I think you know, yeah, these are the most standout memorable characters in Undead the Luck. I, I was I was just about to ask like because I I felt like. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I felt like the top three were pretty similar. But like, I, I, I felt like I remember Shen being like pretty high up and I, I couldn't really remember for sure. Shen was high up in the other one as well. But like, I remember Ana uh, one was like number three. So, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm also not surprised that Andy and Fuku are number one and two. Like, right. It's the main characters. Yeah. They're, they're a package deal. You can't, you can't separate those two, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Shen was number four in the Japanese pulse. It's, you know, just a step down. Okay. Yeah, not not that far. Um I mean I look I think Shen's pretty cool, so I'm I'm pretty okay with that. Weez is in actually the exactly the same spot as number five in both polls. That's interesting. Hmm. And same as Billy. Billy's also in the exact same spot, number nine. So hey, there you go. Hmm, interesting. Um but wow, okay. I think that's about it for news, huh? Indeed, that is about it for news. So I will quickly go into some community shout outs now as we wrap up the show. And the theme for my community shout out this week are stuff that has recently kind of come to an end or at least a stopping point or stuff that, you know, is on a little bit of hiatus. First, I want to give a shout out to the OKKO Screencaps account. They recently just completed their like over a year long project now of going through all of OKKO scene by scene, screen capping it. And it just was such a lovely project to highlight the art of OKKO, just the great backgrounds, the great frames in that show. You know, I really love OKKO. I really love them taking the time to just go over every frame of it and post it like Pretty much like every 30 minutes, they made a, a post of a screen crap from it. So what a great project. What a great tribute to the show. Like, uh, thank, I thank them for their service and uh, helping like kind of spread the word. I know that a lot of people probably discovered OKKO from that Twitter account. So I appreciate that. Like, I'm glad that uh, they spread the word that way. And I think, you know, I saw that Ian Jones Quarterly, Toby Jones, they also very much appreciated it. So, hey, thank you so much. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, similarly for other things that have come to an end that I want to highlight, I got a few podcasts, actually, that are I want to shout out. But the first of these has ended, and this is a podcast that I've been following for years that, you know, I, I feel very sad it's kind of come to an end, but I'm very excited for future projects these guys will inevitably do, and that's Round Springfield. Uh, Round Springfield previously was known as Everything Coming Up Simpsons, where it was kind of like a guest-driven show where they brought a guest on, to discuss their favorite episode, The Simpsons. And they had a lot of great guests on the run of their show, like Mike Scully and Alex Hirsch, Dana Gould. Uh, just amazing guests they've had on the run of their show. But a couple years ago, they felt like they kind of had run up against, like, you know, what they want to do with that format, you know, after like 200 episodes. So they kind of switched gears. And then in uh, starting in 2020, they transitioned the show into Round Springfield, where they basically worked to get uh, interviewed guests who had worked on The Simpsons. And they chatted 
with them about their careers. And originally the idea was like they would chat about them with everything besides the Simpsons, but in practice, you know, they still talked about the Simpsons. But, you know, they still had some amazing interviews with folks like David Cohen, Yardley Smith, Josh Weinstein, and it all culminated recently with them getting the granddaddy of all interviews, Matt Groening, which was just fantastic to hear Matt Groening being interviewed on a podcast about his career, his life's journey as an artist, and creating the Simpsons Futurama disenchantment. It was just such a fun conversation. It's just such a treat to hear them be able to nab Matt Groening for an interview. And it's the big kind of culmination, uh, their final interview of the show. And so now they've basically, you know, kind of retired from this podcast uh, after doing it for so many years, having interviewed so many people, like an incredible six-year run they had. And I'm sure they'll probably either do a different podcast project in the future or that's, uh, you know, they work entertainment, Dally and Julia, like, you know, uh, so they'll probably continue their work in entertainment, continue doing cool things. So I'm just looking forward to that, whatever they do. But this podcast they did was such a great tribute to The Simpsons, such great conversations about the show with some amazing guests, amazing insights on the making of the show. So definitely check it out if you're a big Simpsons fan because it is definitely a delight. You'll definitely learn a lot more about the show and the people behind the show. So definitely love that. Definitely want to give that a shout out as it's come to an end. Now speaking of other podcasts that I love that are kind of taking a break right now. First up I'll mention in the realm of uh, shows and analyzing TV shows, Gays of Episode Ever has recently concluded their fourth season, and so they're going on a short break right now, but they'll definitely be back. But, you know, I just love Gays of Episode Ever. I never really have talked about it on the show, but, like, they do a great job of, like, analyzing episodes of television that explore queer teams. Like, especially with earlier sitcom episodes, they talk about mostly episodes that either have queer coding or, like, kind of under-the-radar queer rap. Then they also, you know, get into episodes that have more explicit queer characters and try more explicitly to talk about queer topics. And then, of course, going into modern shows, they can talk about shows that, like, are, like, openly about exploring queer characters and how representation has improved through the lens of those shows. So they had... You just do a great gamut of episodes uh, of sitcoms of all sorts. And I think of interest to probably a lot of people listening to this podcast or some of the podcasts they've done on some animated series that they cover. Because, you know, they've done multiple episodes of The Simpsons. So their season four finale was a great episode on The Simpsons episode. There's something about marrying, which is a season 16 episode that tackled gay marriage and had some kind of troubling transphobic moments in that episode that... It had to do with a big climax at the end of the episode that really needed to be unpacked and digged into. And I think they did a great job with their guests from the Totally Trans podcast. They had a great conversation about like how that episode really, in its attempt to kind of be an ally to, you know, gay and lesbian uh, communities, it ostracized and vilified trans community in the form of the character that they had there so that was unfortunate but it was a really great conversation on that episode and they did a lot of great episodes recently that i really loved i love their family guy episode they looked at the episode family gay which you know the family guy 
also a troubling show in terms of queerness. Oh, you and don't say. Queer characters in that show. I mean, I think they, I don't know if they'll ever do the episode with Quagmire's mom, but, you know, we will see. But they did a really fantastic episode on the Boy Meets World episode, Chick Like Me, which, you know, even though it's not like specifically about trans character, it does, I think they had a good conversation about how it does speak to trans experience. And they did a really fantastic episode of spotlighting the Great North and an episode of that show, Pride and Prejudice Adventure, which Great North, I just recently got into and recently listened to this episode because I finally had seen it. And, I was like, yeah, I'm really appreciative of how, like, how far queer characters on TV have come. And specifically, like, in this episode, how it explored kind of a historic hiding of the queer identity in the past of, like, historical figures and then how that relates to, like, this you know, budding, like, queer uh, romance between two characters in this episode. And I really think it was a really great conversation. And I also appreciate their interview they did with the writer of the episode, Charlie Kelly, afterward. And, like, how, you know, the, it's nice to hear, like, in with this show in particular, that they have just such a inclusive environment that, like, you know, they can write just really authentic, like, representation and authentic storylines uh, about Queer topics and characters in this way. So I think this episode is one of my favorite pods. I love how they analyze, uh, as they call it, the gay episodes of TV. And I think that, you know, I really, uh, as I've been re-listening and I've been catching up on a lot recently, I really wanted to give them a shout out. And it's a good time because they're taking a break uh, for a little while as they wrapped up the recent season. Now, another thing that's going to be taking a break pretty soon, another podcast I really love, is Dan Merle's All My Movies. And this is a podcast where Dan Merle, who is like one of my favorite like movie reviewers slash like critics in the space, like he has in this podcast, he basically kind of talks about a movie he loves, like usually a movie that he owns on home video on a shelf. And he kind of explores the history of the movie, what makes it stand out, why he loves it so much, and then also digs into what the discs themselves, like all their special features and why the disc is like so worth having if it is like because of the features. And I really love Dan's deep dives and like to the production history of these movies and his critiques and analysis of the movies. And you know, it's going on a bit of a break because his partnership with, like, the producers he was working with has kind of come to an end. So he's going to be, like, kind of taking a break to retool the show because it's also kind of a time-consuming show to make. But I really love it. I think it deserves more attention, uh, especially if you, you know, love movies and love learning more about the history behind movies. So definitely check out all my movies. It's a great show. And then finally, the last thing I'm going to mention is uh, Manga Machinations has take, is taking a brief break for, for a little while uh, just for, you know, just for break's sake. But in the meantime, they've started off a really cool thing. They've started up their own YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a relaunch of their YouTube channel, but it's called Manga Machinations TV. And Darfox, I know, has been working very hard on this for a long time. And they've got a lot of cool videos, including, like, kind of a, a tour of Takashi's shelf and a cool, like, series they're doing where they're, like, doing live uh, translations of Million Tag, the Netflix show about, like, uh, the contest with, like, all these Shonen Jump Plus, like, mangaka hopefuls who want to get a series published there. So that's been really cool. Like, I, I really am enjoying the content that they've been making on their new uh, YouTube channel, and I would love definitely for you guys to check it out because I think they're doing some great stuff. And that about does it for my shoutouts for this 
week and this episode. And, you know, I think we need good time with this episode. We were worried we'd have an over three hour long plus one. I think we are just going to make time here. So that's really cool. But definitely... We have to catch up on Cyberpods, and we will do that on the next episode. But for now, we'll just uh, let you know where you guys can find us and look forward to checking in on that next time you tune in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess until then, Lum, where can the good people find you? You can find me at Lumbermiyasha and Lumbermiyasha on a variety of places like at Animation Revelation, um, Twitter, all the likes, you know. Wherever there's a long running answer, that's you can find me. You can also read my reviews on allthiscoming.com. We got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out, so look forward to reading more of my reviews on there. You can also find the other podcasts I do on there, like Longer to Add Movies, Strawberry Talk About Anime Movies, and Lum Squad, the USC Outstar Voice podcast I do with my good friend Andrew Ace Yushimura. We think it's so wonderful, and Wacky World of Wukonagashi's USC Outstra. And we've been having a lot of fun going to the manga, catching up with the releases, and we've been having a lot of fun digging into the movies out there on Crunchyroll. So look forward to more Lum Squad, and you can find that on Twitter at Lum underscore squad, and basically every podcast platform you can think of where my arts is long squad is and it's also in the same feed as well and if you enjoy the art i make the illustrations i do for this show and all the pockets i do as well as just the illustrations animations i make in general you can find that on my instagram at set artworks all right but as for me i'm colton you could find me on twitter at sniper king 323 i also host and produce a few other podcasts on the side besides this one uh, that you can find links to over at uh, coltoncorner.wordpress.com. It's basically my own personal blog uh, where I have a page dedicated with links to basically whatever I'm doing at the moment or have done in the past, as well as some uh, you know other guest spots and other podcasts I've been on uh, in the past as well. Again, yeah, if you're interested in any of my other podcast projects, such as uh, One Podcast Prevails, a podcast about Detective Conan slash Case Closed, or Just a Gintama Podcast, the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast, um, you know, if you're interested in any of those other shows or basically anything else I haven't mentioned, you can find links to those again at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, but as for all comic in the podcast, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all-comic.com. That's where we post every episode first, unless you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, where basically at the $2 tier, if you sign up for that in particular, uh, you will have access to uh, select early editions of the podcast. Basically, if we happen to have an episode of the podcast edited before it's supposed to go up on our main feed, that's where we will put it up first. But again, that's kind of depending on our schedules and time and when we kind of like get done with certain things. Uh, so that's a little less reliable, admittedly. But if you want more reliable content every month, uh, you want to subscribe to our $5 tier. Uh, where basically at the end of every month, we will put up a new bonus podcast exclusive for patrons only. I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we all got together, got to hang out in person and record a thing in the same room with each other. You know, just kind of about our weekend and what we kind of did while hanging out with each other during Colton Con 2021. And we also got to talk about our thoughts on Dragon Ball Evolution, uh, especially Sakaki's because uh, it was his first time watching the movie. Uh, so basically, if you just want to hear us talk about whatever, as well as Dragon Ball Evolution, that should be up by the time this episode of the podcast is out. It'll actually also be available for all patrons. Um, so even if you're pledging to us for as low as a dollar, you'll still have access to it. Uh, so yeah, basically go to patreon.com slash manga mavericks to listen to that as well as our, our collection of all the bonus pods that we've done over the past like two years or so. 
if you become a patron of ours, you know, it's the best way to support us and everything that we do here. It really helps us keep the lights on, et cetera, et cetera. And we just really appreciate any support you give us, especially on Patreon. So uh, uh, please consider signing up if you haven't. But yeah, I guess as for everything else, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash all.comic or on Twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore Mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Basically, we upload different excerpts of the podcast as well as some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of the news we covered this episode? Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, on the state of the manga industry, as it were? Um, basically, any thoughts on anything we covered on this episode or in the past? Uh, any manga that you're reading that you want to talk about with us? Anything you want us to talk about on the show? Email us anything about manga or the podcast or just whatever, and we will read it on the show. We love getting emails, and we'd love to read yours. Again, you have to send us those at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we're on we're on so many different like platforms at this at this point. Um, but especially on Apple Podcasts, if you leave us a rating and review there, it really helps the visibility of our show. And just in general, we love getting feedback from you guys because, uh, you know, it it really helps us kind of like figure out how to make the show that much better. So we take all your feedback very seriously. And again, we just appreciate it. But yeah, that's going to be about it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been episode 168 of the Manga Matters podcast on allcomic.com. And we will see you guys next time for episode 169. Bye, guys. Sayonara!